This is Josh and Tyler talk, talk movies. Hi, my name is Tyler, and I'm 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 Josh. Why is this? This feels way more formal than the last. Oh, I guess don't worry. Oh, we're hyping it up because we're talking about a very prestigious filmmaker today. Well, we're hyping it up because okay. I have I have a whole plan for. We're gonna talk very formal, and very fancy. Like I wear a suit on the daily, even okay. though I wear my pajamas, and then I'm going to. Kick us off with, um, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. All right, guys, calm down, calm down, calm down. All right, um, all right, here we go. This this was the build-up. It was all for this. Are you ready to rumble? <laughs> Andre Tarkovsky, he makes the best movies. Oh. Solaris and the Mirror. Don't forget about Stalker. <laughs> Andre Tarkovsky, oh, oh, oh. these are the best movies. Oh, oh. That we have ever seen. <laughs> Slow and methodic. They are just so exotic. Now let me tell you about a little guy named Tarkovsky in the world. He makes some movies that he can crank up. Uh, honestly, I've just heard they're kind of boring. Come on, son! This man is a Russian blow-up celebrity. A slow burn that talks about history. Oh. The mirror is an underrated, should be appreciated low radar because we're on the slow radar. Busting around, what are we talking about? It's Tarkovsky, Andre Tarkovsky. He makes me go skeet, skeet, skeet. Turn it on a TV. What does it play? Beep, bop, boop. The MCU is back. Star Wars is back. I think I just broke my back from how much is coming back. Why don't we take a step back and let Tarkovsky come back? It's Tarkovsky. Andre Tarkovsky, he hey. makes me go skeet, skeet, skeet. Hey. Takes me to a place I cannot see. I'll beat you to Paris. Bitch, I'm on Solaris. <laughs> Andre serving up an entree. Tarkovsky's so bad he gets pussy like a gynecologist. It's because he's a psychologist. He takes his philosophical ideas and breaks them down for my psychological comprehension. That's a really big word. We're not going to bother saying that word up in here taking me through interstellar travel taking my biggest turd on that smart movie what's it called oh interstellar y'all <laughs> but tyler that movie you know had to do with how love had a had quantifiability and things like that now andre said screw that bitch i'm gonna make love incomprehensible <laughs> i didn't i didn't get to the stalker part of this rap but i'm gonna end it yeah, off stalker's there. dope <laughs> that was a that was that was literally almost a two minute rap. dude that was amazing how long did you take writing that? I just wrote that during movies. <laughs> That's all I did. I just I literally would pause the movies and like be like, oh, I'm gonna add this. Oh, God, I got this. <laughs> Bitch, I'm on some layer. I like that. Andre serving up an entree. <laughs> I like that one. I liked it. Dude, that was great. That was awesome. That was, that was my favorite one yet. Yeah. You should definitely like release that as its own EP3. My, my own like, EP. Listeners, my listeners can download Tyler's Tarkovsky rap for a dollar. So, what are we talking about this weekend, Tyler? After that, if that. If that Andre Tarkovsky. Yeah. Um, I want to start this off mm -hmm. by by talking about Andre Tarkovsky's life. Okay. Not in like detail, okay. really, but I find his life to be so interesting, and I think it's just as interesting okay. as one of his films. I don't know anything about. I mean, I know, I know the Mirror is sort of autobiographical. Yeah. That's all I know about his he, life. He um is a really interesting figure. Mm -hmm. So. Going into a little bit about it, um, I will talk about some of his little filmmaking styles, like some of his little quirks that he does in filmmaking, mm -hmm. and then also his life, since I'm more Tarkovsky, Tarkov, I'm a, I'm a Tarkovskyologist. You're all into Andrei Tarkovsky now. Yeah. Which is a really weird development. Like, you just brought this up in the last episode. Well, though. Stalker was one of my favorite films ever. When did you first see Stalker? Three years ago. Wow, that long. Yeah, it's been one of my favorite films ever for okay. a while. So and, um... And I've seen it probably about five times now. Okay. And I've really... Why did we never talk about it then? 
I brought it up a couple times, but I, I always I always feel weird like recommending anything Andre Tarkovsky because it's always like like what what do people expect from that? Yeah, you don't it's know like, if you're like it. I, I just have no idea, and if they don't like it, I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna look like an idiot, and I'm just gonna mm-hmm. be like, mm, okay, yeah. like fine. It's like it's like talking about like David Lynch films to random people. Yeah, that's fair. Just don't really do it. Like nobody. I'd say though. I'd say though, even Tarkovsky like was harder because at least Lynch, it's like this is the weirdest shit you've ever seen. Yeah, with Tarkovsky, it's like it's not. It's not weird. It's not too weird. It's not weird. It's just, it's it's just also, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The um, the biggest things I'd, I'd want to point out about Tarkovsky's filmmaking is that I would consider him to be the slowest filmmaker ever. If you don't like mm-hmm. slow filmmaking, you will not enjoy it because mm-hmm. it is there are there are shots that go on forever. There are shots that are static that just stay on it for about mm-hmm. even five minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. There are shots where he'll move so slowly, like people. I would I could I would not be surprised if somebody said it was unbearably slow, mm-hmm. and. Um, because he takes his time with things. And he has made a point in multiple interviews to why he makes his films this way. Because people have asked him before. And he said that he does it because he noticed that whenever making films, like in filmmaking, people do this thing where they, um, where they, they like whenever you're watching a movie, you're watching time be manipulated. Mm-hmm. That's what he always called it. He always right. says time is manipulated in film constantly. Like That's time, the events of things. And they push them all and condense them all together. And he said, when you do really long takes, it helps the person be so immersed in what is going on. Like, like, cause like you're, it's like you're there. Like you're just seeing these super long takes of people and you're just sitting there analyzing it, watching it. And it's like, you're actually a part of this event rather than just time being manipulated and you're just jumping around the whole event. That's how he's described it. Mm -hmm. And I, I agree with that. I think it works for his movies, especially. I think it works for movies that he makes, movies that like Kubrick makes, things like that, and um, or people like that. But Andre Tarkovsky was um, this is this is one of the most interesting aspects going into his life. Actually, I just wanted to explain why his movies are so slow. Um, but he's also one more thing about his directing. He he every single one of his movies he takes a psych, a psychological and philosophical ideas. And he puts them into every part of his filmmaking, as well as every scene in his movies. And he has talked about how when you watch his movies, if you're not looking for any sort of philosophical idea from it that he like is bringing up, then you're probably not getting the full intention of what he's trying to promote. And there's, there's also a thing that's very interesting that with all of his movies... He never gives even an ounce of closure. Mm-hmm. He's always asking questions. He's never giving closure about anything in any of his movies. He's uh, he's always asking questions, and he's always letting the viewer interpret what is happening. Um, and there's even been times where he's gone on interviews, and people will ask him anything that he means by anything, and he'll be like, oh, no. Like, he just doesn't care mm-hmm. to talk about it. Right. He'll mention, like, a brief synopsis of what the theme is and then move on. And... Uh, that is the last thing I want to say about his directing, but when it comes up to his life itself, it's so interesting because apparently he was hand-chosen by the Soviet Union to to be the Stanley Kubrick of Soviet Russia. Wow. So he was... All of his films are funded by the Soviet Union. Until they aren't, right? Isn't that a whole... Um, yeah, yeah. There was a, he, It's so interesting because he was basically supposed to be the model Soviet like this is what this is what we can accomplish with Soviet Russia like so he's like the Ivan Drago yeah 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 he wouldn't have Rocky 4 yeah. on, 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 uh, Andre but um yeah he he was handpicked for this and then he ends up defecting it which is 
which is absolutely the most ironic thing ever because he's like given everything he wants by these people and he's given everything except for the will of just freedom of speech because he wanted to make certain films that they were saying were like anti-Soviet propaganda. Is he is he anti-communist or is he? He's anti-communist. He's anti-communist. Yeah, because then he made his final couple of films in Europe. That's what I read. There were actually theories that he was assassinated by the KGB, but wow. but that's that's like those are they're way out there theories. Okay. theories. But um, because he actually he died of lung cancer and apparently, this is a theory. I actually believe this. This is this is this is a crazy thing. But it's um, when he was filming Stalker, he was around the area of Chernobyl when it was already like. Not not after it had a meltdown, but it was like towards the point of having a meltdown. I was going to ask because it reminded me, there were images that reminded me of Chernobyl. Yeah, there's a lot. It's filmed right around Chernobyl and it's within the five years of Chernobyl exploding. Yeah, 84. And, yeah. Um, and he, um, when he was filming it, he, uh, he would talk about how they were constantly around lakes that are filled with chemicals. And he died from lung cancer as well as six other people who were on set constantly. Oh, wow. And so a lot of people think he got radiation from working in Chernobyl and filming oh, Stalker, shit. and that's how he died. So they think that, like, Stalker is what killed him, pretty wow. much. Because how many movies did he make after Stalker? Made two. two. And he died right before the final one got released, okay. I think. He died, like, right... He couldn't even go to the premiere. Did like, you ever see... So, sick. Did, so outside of these three, have you seen any of those? Um, I've seen... I think it's called Ivan's Childhood Once. I don't really remember it. See, I want to see Ivan's because that's the one everyone tells me is great. That's the um, one. I'm... Andrei Rublev is the only Rublev. Yeah, Andrei Rublev is like the three-hour-long like, yes, medieval epic that I've heard is brilliant. And I've never checked it out. Um, okay. But um, I only knew about him too much was just due to the fact that I love Stalker mm -hmm. so much, and I've seen scenes from multiple of his other movies, mm -hmm. but I've never like fully watched them in their entirety. Mm -hmm. And so this was my opportunity to be like. Gotta watch these movies. And that, these are, that reminds these are me amazing. of how I'm with um, Jonathan Glazer, who made Under the Skin. Because it's like, I've seen Under the Skin too many times to count, my favorite mm -hmm. movies are made, but I've actually never seen in their entirety uh, any of his other movies. It's kind of how I'm with Gaspar in a way as well. Yeah. Where yeah. Climax and, and, I saw that, and, and I was like, oh, that's fantastic. Because I, I, I know. Not to know he's like that, but I know like Jonathan Glazer, he made um, Sexy Beast, and I've seen a good chunk of Birth, the movie he made right before, not right before, but before uh, On the Skin, but that's mm -hmm. like, I still have never seen all those movies, and I feel like I should get on that, but yeah. Oh, Sorry. yeah. There's, um, yeah, it's it's so interesting talking about uh, Andrei Tarkovsky's movies, and like I said, like his life itself is just so interesting. That's, yeah, right? that's like, crazy. It's like he, he defected as an anti-communist, even though he was literally like handpicked to be... The, the representative of communism right. and what it can accomplish in film and stuff like that. And he ends up defecting it because they weren't allowing him to have free speech in his films. And That's he, crazy. He was so mad. And I think it goes, like, m like miles to show, like, how far, like, an artist is willing to go just to get his voice heard. Well, wasn't, um, uh, The Mirror, wasn't it, like, incredibly, like, censored and or not shown in a lot of theaters i read that too mirror was not shown in a lot of theaters theaters and that was actually the first point where soviet the soviet union was starting to say like we think you're making so anti-soviet union okay. propaganda and they started to censor they, the whole... they rejected two of his scripts after that and he was so angry he just he like he, he he made one more movie for them which i think was stalker after that and then he just left he was like i'm not fuck this he was like i yeah. can't do this anymore and uh it's just, I think that his whole story speaks, like I said, like Miles, about how far an artist is willing to go just to be able to have his voice. And I also think that it fits in perfectly with just his whole filmography. I think it's so good. And then, Well, the fact, too, that he was fighting for the movies that were... He was basically working for the Soviet Union. Yeah. And yet he still was able to make movies that are very, like, daring and 
have a dirt, and I think some of these you. movies do have um, anti-Soviet stuff in them. I think mm. they do. Like I, I think that I think that Stalker does. I was gonna say Stalker. I think I think Stalker that was his last film he ever did for them. The Mirror definitely he, does. Yeah, the Mirror. They, they were the Mirror's they like were straight mad up about his. Because I they were mad about the was mirror. it um, is it Stalin that she writes a newspaper about in that one scene? And there's a she yeah. writes the wrong word, and it's a whole like yeah that that's very. I think I can see that being a. The whole theme of the mirror also is very reflective of like how we felt hey. about Soviet Union. Fair. Oh yeah, yeah sure. um, oh yeah. And uh, one last thing before we go into it, he he loves to use these three major things in imagery. He loves to use reflections. He loves lakes and water. Yeah. He's obsessed with lakes and water. He loves mirrors because he says it's a good point to be able to have people be self-reflective over everything they've done in a film. Um, so that's why he always has people look in mirrors and like look at themselves and stuff like that. He does mm-hmm. that a lot. And then he talks about how he always uses, um, uh, what's the other thing? He loves changing colors, changing mm. color palettes. Like the, this, we were talking about, like the black and white stuff in the mirror, Stalker has Stalker it as well. Stalker has the CPO to it. Yeah, does the Solaris have any? Um, it does that blue tint for a while. Yeah, there's there's a, there's a quite a few scenes. Like, it's nighttime, it's like a blue tint. Because even, even later on in the even later on in the movie, when when they're on the spaceship, there's still some scenes with blue tint. Right. And it's like, I don't know where this is coming from. Yeah. Anymore. It's like, I feel like there's there's an intention behind it, for sure. I don't understand the Solaris intention. I know why the mirror is black and white at times, and I know why Stalker is... Mm-hmm. Uh, Sepia? Is that what it's called? Sepia tone. Yeah, has very sepia tone. tone. Yeah, that's what I always thought. Very tw- 20s. Well, let's go into the first one. Let's so we talk saw, about... Yeah, we saw three movies. So we saw Solaris, mm-hmm. uh, The Mirror, and Stalker. And let's say, I'll start with St- uh, Solaris. And that actually came out first of the three that we're talking about. So yeah. 1972. Let's talk about Solaris. Yeah. Just for everybody's information, I, I, I love all three of these movies so much. Yeah, they're really good. Talk about all of them. I never saw... I, had you seen... So you've seen... I know you saw Stalker. Did you see those two? these other two at all? I've seen bits and pieces of Mirror, and I saw half of Solaris. Okay. And then I didn't finish it. Okay. So... Um, yeah, because this was your idea to do these movies. So do you want me to explain the plot, or do you want me to explain the plot? Or? Um, You can go ahead and explain the plot if you want. Um, so Solaris basically, from what I, I'll say from what I understand, because that's I think a lot of. I'm not, I'm, I'm gonna try and not sound pretentious during this. No, I'll try not. Like, to... I, I did. I do a lot of stuff. No, it's fair. I mean, <laughs> Solaris, Solaris is definitely his easiest to get. I think it's definitely like his most pop movie. I think very like, you know, it's still very slow, but I think I can see it being his more his most accessible of the three I saw at least. Um, but uh, basically, Solaris is about. Um, there is a space station above a planet called Solaris that um, the planet um, has an atmosphere that can sort of shape itself to what people want. Is that a good way of putting it? Yeah. I, I have a I have a few notes Go, yeah. and I'll add on to everything. Yeah, you can just finish. That's that's a good thing, right? It, yeah. It basically, I would say I would say it creates. Um, it creates hallucin- hallucinations and quotation marks. Yeah, hallucinations for, yeah. for people. For, yeah. yeah, and um, there is a uh, space station stranded up there. They've had an eye contact from, so they get an ex. He was an ex astronaut, right? The guy who was up there. Or you know, um, he's a he's a he's a, psych- he's a psychologist. Psych- psychologist. Yeah, he's a psychologist. Psychologist goes up there to check out what's going on, um, and he's this psychologist has clearly been through a loss recently. Um, it's never fully explained, but as the show movie goes on, you realize it was his lover. Um, and you go. Uh, he goes up to the uh, spaceship above Solaris, and he 
discovers that there is a really interesting thing that's happened. One of the crew members has died. The way he died is kind of a mystery that we figure out throughout the story. Um, and he starts seeing images of his dead lover, uh, who has been dead for, what, 10 years, I think is the mm-hmm. uh, start of the movie. Um, and so it's just a very interesting, you know, epic about... I mean, I, I saw it as sort of an epic about... Um, love and lost love and um even nostalgia and there's the, there's multiple themes i think so, like, I th- you can tap into so much yeah i mean I, I to me i thought of it as um you know the comfort of not wanting to of wanting to hide yourself from the reality of, of the world of what's going on, on earth what's you know uh, like being wanting to be safe and the nostalgic feelings that that's how i looked at it yeah to me, there's quite yeah. No, there's. I'll be honest with you. Uh, Andre Tarkovsky's films are so interesting. So, like I said, he doesn't dive too much into them, no. and he he brings up so many philosophical themes yeah. in a lot of his films. Right. And so, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like 20, 30 different themes mm. in each one of these movies. It's insane. How well, I was like googling like meanings of them, and I was like, I'm gonna stop because each every one of these I read is different. Yeah, they're all different. Everyone. They're always they're always ridiculous, especially with ones that are like the more complicated, like the mirror. Gets the mirror. Insane. I, yeah, I don't there's, even know. There's so know. many. Yeah. There's so many different meanings. Um, I have written down. It's just a quick little synopsis. Yeah. I'm, I'm just yeah, read it you, off. You, you go ahead and read all the synopsis. Yeah, uh, I just have I, have I have notes for all this stuff. So if I ever sound like I'm reading off something like I'm a fucking genius, it's just because I wrote it all down. Written. So <laughs> I, um, um, uh, I wrote down a search team going into the Solaris at- atmosphere to find a team that disappeared. They all that's the beginning of the movie. There's like a search team that's mm-hmm. trying to find this team, and on their way back they found nothing. And this one one of the members named Burden. That's the guy at the beginning of the news. Yes, yeah. and he's in for like the, most of the beginning of the film. Uh, he was one of the pilots, and he experienced major hallucinations. Uh, he reports this, and they believe that nothing happened. They believe that he's just hallucinating because of the atmosphere or something, and they're just like, nothing happened. Don't, like, let's move on. And this is a panel of scientists that agree on this. The psychologist agrees on this. And finally, somebody approaches the psychologist of the movie. I believe his name is Kane. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's uh, his name. I have it written down. It was, it's actually Chris. Chris. It's Chris. It's K-R-I-S. Yes. I remember the yeah. subtitles. And um, uh, he is sent up there, even though he doesn't believe anything's wrong. But he's sent up there because the scientists basically want him to make a diagnosis about what is wrong with these people. Mm-hmm. Because more people started experiencing it. And I find it funny they send up a psychologist because it's like, oh, it has to be something psychological. It can't be like there was actually something that happened. And that's the perfect character to be kind of like fucked with as the movie goes on Mm -hmm. and kind of doubt his own. And and as he goes along with all of this, he realizes that it wasn't just, you know, hallucinations. There's there's some depth to it. And Mm -hmm. um, uh, that's that's pretty much all I wrote for it. But um, yeah, the, the movie has... Um, so many different themes. And I'll tell you what I got out of it, but I pretty much get a few different things. I get the idea that um, science, we feel like is, like we get this idea that like, oh, science is limitless. We should try and explore everything with it. But we get to a point to where when we know quite a few things, we act like we put everything underneath that umbrella and act like there could be nothing outside of our comprehension. Mm-hmm. Like they talk about in the beginning of the film, they're like, they're like, well, we should go explore this stuff because science is limitless. And they're like, oh, it's just hallucinations. And then that's what the science the scientist panel agrees on. This. Yeah. Like they're, they're all supposed to be people who are like willing to explore Expand stuff. Expand their they, knowledge. Yeah, like stuff that can be incomprehensible. And they're like this, oh, it's just all hallucinations. Right. And then they just throw it underneath. And they're like, whatever. 
psychologist thinks that exact same thing. And there's a, I think there's a theme against creationism in it that has to do with, uh, because there's multiple times where specifically one moment I can think of absolutely where the, I don't think he's, he's, he's the father. I think he's the dad of the main character. The old he's man. the guy at the house. Yeah. yeah. And he goes up to him and he's trying to get him to do this mission. And the guy's like, well, you know, it was, it's just the guy just making up stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he's, he talks about, he's like, there's so many people in this world like you and you're, you're the problem. Yeah. And I think it's, I, he's like, and, the, and he, he talks about how terrible it is that there are people like this who are not willing to think outside their own box. And I think that's making fun of people who, I think it can be applied to both faith and science. It's making fun of people who don't think there's anything else to science that could be outside of our comprehension. Right. And I also think it's making fun of people like with like creationism who are like not willing to accept it's anything, anything science. Yeah. yeah. And only accept what they've already been told. So those are like the two main themes I usually get out. But there's also the idea of this guy who um, he just like in the movie, um, he. He does. He's not willing to accept that this could be like really just something that we've never heard of. This could be just some science that's totally out there. And his love of his wife, he talks about at one point that he left her mm-hmm. for like a career or yes, some shit, like yeah. just some random thing. And he said that, oh, I didn't really love her or anything. Um, and he realized that he did love her once she died. Mm-hmm. And I think that he couldn't explain why he loved her or what love was. And I think he could explain what he was, what else he was going after. So I think he went after that because he felt safer, like that was going to make him happy. Mm-hmm. Like he couldn't just fall in love with somebody and, you know, let that feeling happen. And I think it has to do with sometimes these stupid questions that we ask ourselves. Like, oh, I know this career will make me happy because I'm positive it will because I'm going to be successful or whatever. Right. And we can't just accept some things just like love that doesn't make any sense to anybody. But you can't just accept them, even though people in the movie make a point that like maybe if you just accept them, you'd be happier. And, and, make, and, and, and he doesn't help that he's also a psychologist. There's like because he's trying to always he's always thinking. There's to, a part where they literally yeah. tell him like, "Why do you ask these cursed questions yeah, to yourself?" Yeah. They're like, "It doesn't make any sense. Mm. Why would you do this to yourself? Like, quit putting yourself through all this pain about questions about happiness and death and mm. and all this stuff. Just live for what is important to you." Mm. And he didn't do that with his wife. He left her for mm. some stupid career that he realized that was so unimportant when she killed herself, basically. Well, spoiler alert a little bit, but I think that also, like... I think that decision comes back comes back to haunt him. Well, clearly it does. But he... he rather than facing the consequences of that, of him not, you know, expressing his love to her, not uh, trying, to under, trying to deconstruct everything, he basically... I think find shelter in Solaris as like yeah. oh this is my second chance even though it's all bullshit there's, there's nothing real you know it's all you know mm-hmm. it's all a, an illusion but I think like I think he's willing to just dive into that rather than make up for his past mistakes if that makes sense there's um I don't yeah. know if that's yeah no no I no I completely I completely get what you're trying to say and expanding upon even the themes because there's like, we're, there's so many themes in all these fucking movies mm-hmm. it's like it, there's there's a whole theme about how we only accept something new when it benefits us. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. And that's actually brought up quite a few times because there's a whole scene where he first gets on it and he finds out his friend died, like the only person he knew on this thing mm-hmm. killed himself. And he's like, oh, I got to watch like the recordings of what he was saying. And in the very beginning, he starts watching them. The guy's like, I need you to understand. Whatever you see, it's not your crazy. You're not crazy. Like, if whatever you're going to start seeing. The guy seeing, who dies. Yeah. Died, yeah. He's like, whatever you start seeing, you're not crazy. I swear. Like, the two other people on the ship, like... They're, they're doing some fucked up stuff and all this stuff. He's going on a fucking rant. And um, 
and Stuart, who's I think his name's Stuart, um, or Strott, Strott, I think might be his name. The older guy or the other one? Um, the uh, older one, the one he meets first. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. He uh, he meets him first, and the guy tells him like, just always remember we're the only people on this ship. Just always remember yeah. that. And there's a whole thing where when he's watching this recording, right before the guy's like, I'm going to explain this all to you, he just turns it off. And, and I think he finds comfort in the idea of just accepting, oh, this is just all hallucinations. All People are crazy. And then once he leaves and once he starts seeing the girl, he literally instantly takes the recording and watches the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And you see because, the girl in the footage. The yeah. girl that appeared to him. And I think he does that because now that he's seeing it, he's like, oh, no, now I need to have comfort that something new is actually explaining this because I can't be crazy. There's mm-hmm. no way. Mm-hmm. So it's like benefiting him. It's like only when science is benefiting him, only when something new benefits him right. is when he wants to research into it. That's, yeah. They'll just accept everything they've already been told as long as it benefits them and tells them they're not crazy and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, that's interesting. And, um, yeah, there's also one about just like complete like loneliness and isolation. There's a lot of stuff about that. But I, I'll tell you, I was thinking I was, I was a little confused about was... Um, what is the purpose and what is the, I guess the, um, what did he offer to the story? Is the other scientist the one that's kind of an asshole to him? Um, what do you think his purpose was? Oh, I got them written down. Okay, cool. I got them all right. Because uh, I, I thought that was really interesting. I also thought there's that scene where a little guy runs out. That is weird. I, I don't no know. Fucking what, clue. I have no clue. Because the first time you see him, he has an argument with them, a bit of an argument, and then a guy. A little person runs out and he picks him up and he puts him back in. He's a shirtless little guy, and he says, "You, he's like, you, you need to leave or something." Okay, here's yeah, here's what I have written. I, down. I sound like a fucking idiot on this episode. By no, the way. no, it's fine. I have so many notes written. It's okay. Down. I, I should have wrote notes. Guitar, so no, no I, you're fine. Yeah. You're fine. Uh, you're you're totally okay. I get I like, Robocop. I, get, awesome. you know, <laughs> I love Robocop. Yeah, one, Robocop like, I'm gonna say in the middle of this episode, <laughs> Robocop one is a fucking. I know, but I know. I still more like yeah, I know, I know. Um. But I wrote down that, um, so both scientists have these two different stances, that one thinking that everything is beyond their comprehension, so we might as well just accept it for what it is. So, like, um, the psychologist, when the dead wife comes back, mm-hmm. he starts just saying, like, oh, this is my wife, like, don't make fun of her. And it's like, he's just, he's, he's so, he, he like, like I talked about with science, he only wants to accept something new when it benefits him. Right. Now he doesn't want to accept, like, what if this just isn't his wife? Like, mm-hmm. what if this is something completely different? He just wants to say, oh, this is my wife. Because now he wants his wife back. Right. So now he's not willing to accept she could be anything else in this world. Like, it's this this place just brought back his wife. Now that's how he wants to see it. Right. So when the scientist guy, who's supposed to be, um, there's one of them who doesn't care if he accepts it like this. Because he knows everything on Solaris is outside of their comprehension. Mm-hmm. So he's like, who cares? Like, just let the guy be like, oh, this is his wife and he loves spending time with her. And he can stay on Solaris and have a blast, you know? That's how he wants him to accept it. He's like, yeah, you can do that. Sure. And he's totally cool with that. And then the other guy wants to argue. The old guy? Yeah, the one Yeah, the one he first meets, Stroud. I'm just going to start calling him Stroud. I don't know if that's his name. I know it starts with the letter S. Right. But, um, um, and then the other doctor is, is all about tapping into that limitless science. That's what he's obsessed with. Like, he's like, he's like, oh, well, she isn't real. Like, we got to take blood samples and all this stuff. And like, he's so like, and he's so against him calling it his wife and stuff. That's right. There's the whole scene at the dinner table when they have the big fight. Yeah, and, and he, he's he's just like, dude, you're. He, even the first line he says to him when that when that when the when the little person comes running out, and uh, and he grabs him. The first thing he says to him, which I, I'm not going to explain the little person. I have no idea what okay, idea that was. Cool, cool. But um, but the first thing he says to him, he's like, you're so, uh, 
impressionable, like like basically telling him like he's like gullible. Mm-hmm. He tell he he tells him he's gullible pretty much, mm-hmm. and and I think that fits in with his whole thing of like he was gullible for his wife, he's gullible for all this stuff just because you know it's stuff that benefits him. And then the scientist is like the realist, like no, all this is fake. Just get used to it. Like we're right. gonna figure out, like we're gonna be able to tap into like why it's happening and stuff. Mm-hmm. And almost with all of Andrei Tarkovsky films, nobody's right. Nobody's right or wrong. Mm. It's just like this kind of thing where you just decide, like, oh, I like that guy's point of view. Well, that that's that that's why I thought Solaris and Stalker were like kind of perfect companion pieces. Like oh, they're great because, like, because, like, especially the ending and how the the three characters, three male characters, kind of bounce off each other. I think is really kind of similar to to Solaris, um, but. Yeah, I know that's that's really interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of weird little details. Like there's the there's there's a lot of weird stuff. Like there's the part the the wife holds the um, the roped collar thing that went around the person's neck. That's that's uh that's the that's the drawing on on the front of the person's door that killed himself. Oh, that's right. There's a person holding like the rope collar and it that. says human being. Yeah. And the 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 wife when she's walking around she's holding on to something that's like exactly like that mm. later on in the film. There's a lot of weird little details. There's one that's majorly strange. That's so weird because they say they say Solaris can can never come with you anywhere. It's never going to be with you anywhere else. Like you have to stay here to mm-hmm. be to be with it. Does that make sense? They're like if you go back to Earth, like do, does that make sense? So like it's not going to follow you to Earth or anything. Like the planet or like the idea. Like the idea, idea like yeah. what's well, Solaris uh, tapping into what you want. All this it's stuff. It's not going to yeah. It's not going to affect you on Earth. But that is contradictory to things that we learned earlier on in the film. Because Burden talks about how he saw a, 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 a four-meter-tall person. He says that he sees the exact same person on Earth that's a kid. Mm-hmm. And he talk, and, that, and, and, and I think that's the person who's in the car with him, in the back seat. The final shot of Burden, you get him in a car and there's like a little kid behind him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's supposed to be Solaris literally still with him, even when he's on Earth. And I think that almost ties into the ending. Where the, where, like, the ending is basically that he comes back to Earth and you find out that it's just Solaris... See, I don't think he ever goes back to Earth. Yeah, see, like, well, I'm saying that, I think I'm he, saying that it could be, like, this idea that, like, it's so outside of our comprehension that what yeah. Solaris just literally has, like, all of this. Right. Like, it's just all in everybody's heads. It's all things that Solaris forms in people's heads, like, everything. Hmm. And and I think that that's what it's tapping into, because Burden, obviously, is still being affected by Solaris. Right. He sees this person that he saw in his hallucinations on Solaris. See, I don't... Yeah. That's but I think it, it's it's all stuff that's up for interpretation. Well, because I, I don't I don't know, I don't think that kid in the back is necessarily Solaris. I just I think what he remembers from Solaris, he tells them is 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 something crazy. But I don't think he I I have to imagine that when he was on Solaris, he went through a similar experience that our main character did. But it's not sticking with him. The things that are sticking with him are. This strange illusion that he's sort of written off as an illusion, but well, he he says that he saw somebody who's exactly the same as somebody he saw in Solaris, which like we could talk about could be right the, could try, be the PTSD, floor, yeah. sure. it could be it could be the Solaris following him back to mm-hmm. Earth, but that's the thing. It's this is all stuff that just Andre never gives any answers to, and he doesn't want to. Right. It's like what if that kid in the back seat is just some random kid? I don't right. know who the fuck it is. I yeah. don't know who it would be. But right. what if it's the kid that's if, that he that he sees that he talks about being on Solaris? What if it's just sticking with him? There's shots where he's like looking forward onto the street when they're driving, and it's like looking forward to like oh like like all this like limitless stuff for like what where 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 science could be going like in in incomprehensible places. That scene, that driving scene, I want to talk about too. 
Because that, yeah, I was wondering. And then right behind him's the kid. And I always just well, kept I was, thinking. Because they almost make the driving feel alien. Like, it feels like. Like almost like you're taking it in for the first time because they they that I mean talk about Tarkovsky's always like you know long scenes or whatever that scene where the guy's driving in his car is like I almost forgot about that scene I'm glad you brought it up because that scene's like six minutes long yeah it's the guy driving in his car it's the yeah. kids behind him and it's like just all noise and you know there's all different ways to interpret it like I interpret it as this guy was looking out to to like the streets meant to represent like how far we can go with science and he's looking out for like oh like how much we could learn from Solaris from like with the psychologist going mm-hmm. and all this stuff because it's his last scene in the whole movie yeah we don't see yeah, it say he's only in the first like 20 minutes and, and then that kid's right behind him and I think that that kid is what Solaris has been showing him mm. on earth and I think it's like no this kid's real like this is this is real like this is just the person I kept on seeing so it's like that same thing with the wife like this is my actual wife or like then you realize like Oh no! This is just some. This is like some science thing. I don't understand at yeah. all. So, I also think too. I wonder if um, it's almost like a audio representation of the difference of Solaris. You know, Solaris is very quiet. It's very, you know, the movie itself and the oh yeah yeah very quiet, very you know, low tones and and then but that scene is all noise. Oh, that's the noise. I wonder. I wonder if it because when you see him driving, he almost looks a little like concerned. He's driving, and I wonder if there's this feeling of like ever since coming back from Solaris, like just this 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 noise, this constant barrage of noise is also like something that's just been nothing. You can't sit around and just think to yourself. Right. Exactly. It's all just noise. All moving. Everything's moving. And Tarkovsky with how slow he likes everything. It's just the world around him is moving so fast. And could even be yeah. It could be a commentary even about like just the idea of like. How like maybe sometimes just having ice isolation maybe that's a good thing sometimes mm-hmm. maybe being away from everything is great for you and maybe not always having connectivity to everybody which fits in more now than ever. I was about to say it's very timely. Yeah, yeah. and um, I think the mirror is actually the most timely. Of you think so? These, which is insane because I think the theme of mirror affects everything nowadays more so than any other mm. one of these, but. Um, you're gonna have to explain that to me because I didn't get the I didn't understand the fucking thing in the mirror. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I told you I kept on pausing it over and over. Yeah. I was just writing the notes like, all right, this could. The mirror was the one, one that like Solaris. Like clearly, you have more thoughts on Solaris than I do. I mean, I love Solaris, but like the mirror was like I was like I don't know what I'm watching. <laughs> the um the scenes I really like to talk about too is that uh, another another directing trick Andre Tarkovsky loves and he's so good at it is uh is is people floating. Yeah. The mirror one is like... That's the one like, that really dude, tripped me out. Dude, up. her fucking... Like, her not hair. trying to get too into the mirror, but like her hair is like floating. I, I, I have that. no idea how they do it. Like that was 1975? Yeah. That's crazy. It's like... It looks like it's like laying on like a table, but it's like in midair. So it's like, what the fuck? Like, I, know. I don't know how they did that. But um, Solaris has this anti-gravity scene where him and his wife are both floating around. It's a really beautiful scene. It's really... And the, and the, the dining room, you mean? Or in the... Yeah. How do you feel about the wife? Like gaining her own like conscience and self awareness. I love of who that. She is. Well, I love. Um, it's almost like the science is out. Like she doesn't even get it. Like she doesn't get how she's back. Or but she's like, but I am bad. But and I have feelings, and I have yeah. like you can't. You can't. It's just, amazing. Yeah, you can't disrupt that. <laughs> I and I love it. too that like she keeps dying, and he just keeps like I'll just wait Isn't for it. Her. Always just like a new one too. It's always a new one. And she always the same way, and she always remembers everything. And he just keeps dying, and he just doesn't care. He just keeps like putting him. He put keeps putting himself through that pain. I think he wants. I think he wants her to just be Harry, his wife, 
and he doesn't want her to have her own like personality mm. or be her own person. They and all these people like whenever they die and they come back, they just want to be their own person. Yeah, like they want to be like right. they want to do their own thing, and that's when I think it breaks him. That final one where it's like she just leaves him, like, oh, sorry, I can't do this anymore. Like, leaves him a note and everything. Because it's exactly what he did to his wife. Yeah. And I think he just feels like shit. Yeah. Like, I think he's just, like, like in the worst place possible. And then his, and then Solaris gives him the image of his father comforting him. And it's like, that's the final thing we see is, like, just, he just, now he's just in this fake. I think also he's, he's crying because he's, like, I don't know if he actually thinks he's on Earth or if he just thinks he's on Solaris or whatever, but, um... I think he's also crying because he's like that. Fa- that's the father who told him like you're so ignorant to all this stuff, and I think he's so like accepting of like you were right. I'm so sorry. Like I shouldn't have judged what like because he his father constantly is like you need to go up yeah. there because there's something more serious. So he's like no, it's just hallucinations. It's just a bunch of people going delusional and stuff. Yeah, I think I think it works to me. It rings more powerful if he chooses to stay on Solaris and chooses to live a lie. Yeah. And chooses to to not do the leg. And Solaris work. sticking with him on her. Yeah, and, and it chooses not to do the legwork of actually going to his father in person. Of rather like, I'm just gonna live in this comfort where there is a huge theme about just living in your own comfort. Like of this, like of this, like this illusion that I can. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, it's it, and even even when the camera pans out at the end, you just see the little patch of land that's on Solaris. It's like that's the we we see like I it's, to me the the best stuff in Solaris actually is before he goes to space. Um, it's when he's on his farm with his parent with his dad and um, sort of just looking at the lake. I think the like the images of that are just gorgeous and like the way the the seaweed is filmed mm-hmm. in the beginning and I think that stuff is so beautifully done that I think what what we're seeing there too is like. The, his his comfort isn't isn't Earth, it's the specific place with his dad, you know, that no, like nothing outside of that is is safe to him, and that's like, that's why Solaris, he, that's why he he wants to live in this lie in Solaris. At least that's how I feel about. It. That's how I see mm-hmm. it. I might be wrong, but no, absolutely. I um, I know he wants to live in a lie. It's it's the one of the main one of the main points of the movie mm-hmm. is just like. It's just, you know, just accepting, like, this unknowingness and just acting like, like, oh, yeah, like, I, I don't need to, I don't need to understand any further. And it's weird because there's this whole idea, like, brought up, and this is the philosophical stuff. It's like, it's like, is he accepting this happiness because he just wants to be happy? Like, the one guy says, like, you don't need to ask, all, you don't need to ask yeah. these stupid questions, like, what is happiness, what is death, yeah. all this stuff. Or is he accepting it because he's ignorant and he just wants to live a comfy life? Well, I was going to say his ignorance, too, though. Like how ignorant is he too that he he just thinks that when his wife is back she'll just stay with him like she'll just and she'll, and she'll everything will be happy like when she develops consciousness and dies and comes back she keeps like over and it, it, eventually she breaks his heart all over again. I think there's such a there's such a meaning to the idea of he's trying to prove that he can make it work because he he left mm-hmm. and he, I think he's trying to prove like I can love this woman I can I can treat her right I can get my second chance with this and mm-hmm. like is going to rid the guilt that he has of it mm-hmm. but it doesn't it just makes it worse yeah. every time every and then time. when she finally just leaves it's like heartbreaking yeah. for him and there's a um there's even a, there's even like a direct metaphor for like obviously that stuff with the idea that whenever he leaves the this is great stuff and I never I I love how they tap into this they don't even bring it up it's great and it's um 
whenever he leaves the room, the wife like hurts herself or like she gets hurt. Yeah, I thought that was because because when he left, that's when she started. Know, po- yeah, poisoned. I think she poisoned herself. Poisoned herself. Yeah, yeah. poisoned herself. And and it was ten years later, but like it's like all about like whenever he left. Now he's like fucking like I'm not gonna leave. I'm not gonna leave. I'm never, I'm never gonna leave you. And there's there's this really very very subtle scene. He leaves her in that room where they go into anti gravity, and then he comes back. And she's smoking a cigarette, and she didn't even notice he left. Hmm. It's great. Like he walks up to her, he's like, he's like, are, are you? He's that. like, are you okay and everything like that? And she's like, I was just thinking about you know like my life before all this and stuff, mm-hmm. and like it's just so interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, she like gave zero fucks that he left yeah. now, and I I love all of it's that. Like now he's getting taste of medicine. Getting, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, she's like smoking. I think he even makes a comment about like how like she doesn't smoke or something. Mm-hmm. And then she's just like, it's like, well, like I do though. Like, mm-hmm. what? like and <laughs> yeah. it's all about them coming into their own. I yeah. love it. Yeah, it's very good. I, I really like, yeah, I really, Solaris is definitely a really great one. Um, I actually hear the remake is good. It's not great, but I hear it's good. I just don't even think there should be one. I know. Well, that's what it, it, I, I mean, it definitely looks more like dramatic, but it's Steven Soderbergh. And it's supposed to be pretty solid. Steven, what was it? What did you do recently? Soderbergh. He did. Uh, here, maybe they did recently. Like I hated. I, I know. I know he's a good. I know he's like a good director. He, he's made some crap recently yeah. for sure, but he's um. He's he's cool. Sex Lies and Videotapes a great movie. Um, you know. Oh, there's one other um, main theme I want to bring up that's, that's very obvious, and it's about how. Um, um, it's uh well there's well there's one there's a great scene that I meant to I meant to bring up that has to do with um that has to do with the wife discovering like who she is mm-hmm. and and when he like talks to her she's like she literally has a line where she says well it doesn't matter I am a human being and she she literally says like directly to I think it's to the pessimist science scientist mm-hmm. who oh the whole it's in the dinner scene yeah she I says she says I am a human being to him and it's like this really just like it's kind of skipped over like like nobody gives a shit it's like but it's like really powerful like how she kind of like especially for her because it's like that's a huge deal to her and but there's one other theme that I want to tap into and then we can final thoughts and move on mm-hmm. but um it has to do with how science uh does science have a morality to it mm-hmm. it's really it's really it's brought up in the very beginning of the movie and it's brought up at the scientist panel um where the guy i think it's burden I, I don't know somebody brings it up but somebody brings up the idea of like science has no morality and all this stuff and then and then people are like science doesn't have a morality until humans label it with a morality mm-hmm. and all this stuff and people are like well what if it does have morality and it's it's interesting to think Slaris does all the things it does, like bring back ones that you love, like people who you miss, try and get rid of the guilt that you had and all this stuff. It's like, does this have a sense of morality that's tapping into your head? Mm. Like it's trying to either make you suffer or make you happier or comfort you or right. like what what is it trying to do? And people could just say like, well, and, and then there's the pessimist look out of it. It's the, it's that, well, it's just like a drug in the atmosphere and it's just going to make you think this mm-hmm. way and like, you know, it's it doesn't have morality to it or anything like that. And I, I like to tap into because he love he loves diving into tragedies too in all of his films. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting because they bring up the they bring up Hiroshima, and it's like the atom bomb was nothing that had morality until after it was used. Yeah, and I then like it's that. used as like a horror. It's like it's horrifying. Yeah, like how could how could this ever be promoted? Because back in back when they were first using it, and making the science for it, they were saying. We're gonna power stuff with this. It's gonna be amazing. We're gonna have. We're gonna have everything's gonna be running on this stuff. And it's it became, gonna be great. And then it's like atom bomb, boom. Everything related 
to atomic power now is now associated with this is wrong. Like, yeah. do not make this yeah. stuff. Like, you hear a country's making a nuke. It's like, oh, no. Like, yeah. stop, please. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I love the idea of humanity attaching morality to science when maybe there is no real, maybe there is no morality, or maybe there is. So this is really interesting. It's, yeah. it's it, and, and we're gonna ask so many questions on this because th- that's all there is. Oh yeah, it's there's, no, there's no, there's no, there, it's just all interpretations. There's yeah. no, and that's that's why I fucking love this dude. I love <laughs> this dude, he's so great. Your your obsession with Tarkovsky reminds me a lot of my like obsession with David Lynch, no. where I'm like just a, like I love him almost just like a person. Like I just like you're like oh my god. I'm... I just like how he 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 does enjoy challenging people. Yeah, he's not he. He doesn't at all like to spoon feed spoon feed anything, mm. and and I think honestly the worst thing about his films, if I was to give one bad thing that I don't like about him, it's that I can't I don't really care too much when he does shots that are, um, but I don't mind it still. It it's just shots where he does stuff of like philosophers, like he just does like a shot of like a philosopher or something, like or like in the background you'll see like like a like a like a like the statue of David or some shit. And it's like so obvious, like oh, he's just it's like it right. just kind of comes. Well, off did, I was gonna say even in Stalker, um, see his poster for Andrei Rublev in the background. He put up his own poster. Oh, I didn't in notice the background that. Background, uh, I think it's the mirror. It's, oh, it's wow. hilarious. It's like you just see an Andrei Rublev poster. It's directed by Andrei Tarkovsky. Oh my god, it. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> no, I um, I was I was gonna say too the uh, the mirror and Stalker a lot. They do do a thing too where they they get very philosophical. Like kind of in your face philosophical, yeah. like when they start talking, the characters literally start talking philosophy. I give it kind of a pass though, because especially in um, Stalker, it's like you're it's a professor and a writer, so that's how they would. I feel like they could, yeah. they would talk like that anyway. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, I really, I really love Solaris. I love the, um, I love like low tech sci fi, with just you know, I, we talked. I texted you after I was watching. So I was like, I love like watching seventy sci fi movies like um, Alien and. Yeah, you know, the original Star Wars and stuff, and this is right after two thousand one. It has that vibe too, where it's like, it's just knobs and buttons, and there's no bullshit. There's no fucking holograms or anything stupid. It's just super simple, super tactile. I love so I love I, I love the the thing. I, I think you're more of a Tarkovsky fan than I am. Not, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Just, oh yeah, you've, you've you've definitely had more time to sit with his movies. Um, as someone who just kind of just got into it and and definitely took away a lot. Of, Philosophical ideas. I was more really struck by in all three of these movies by the visuals, the visuals in his filmmaking. I think I love the way he sits with his shots. Um, I think it's so interesting watching how he, how you hear filmmakers talk about how much they love him, and then you know I for fears like Tarkovsky is one of those names that's like Fellini or uh, Bertolucci who I've heard about for years, but I've never like. Oh, I should probably watch those at some point. I was like, oh, I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. So like, I think I think we should at some point do a Fellini episode. You know, do anything. I, I like watching the new yeah. things. Um, but no, but I was gonna say like I think he. I just love the the slow pace. I love the the shots of people just approach. Like I love when he first approaches the space station on Solaris, just the slow going into the dock, and you know, just, I love oh, yeah. it. I love the. I just love the. Um, I love the way he just sits. There. I love that the first like ten minutes of the movie are just quiet. Oh, it's. I, I love. I love the white on black credits you know i just i love it I, I i yeah i really i really love i just i love a filmmaker who i think i talk about this too like i'm a guy who loves atmosphere more than anything like, that's like all solaris yeah well that's i think it's all of his films actually i mean i think i think especially stalker too but um 
I think some people are like, well, this movie has plot holes, this movie doesn't do this, this isn't real. And to me, I'm like, I just want to see a movie that is A, tonally consistent, tone and atmosphere are like the two things that I, mm-hmm. that's what I care about the most. Does a movie feel cool? Does it feel right? Does it feel neat? Does it feel like different and interesting? It doesn't have its own vibe. Does it have, um, is it true to itself in terms of its um, tone? Because mm-hmm. I, I think nowadays tone is like, fucking nightmare in most movies I think it's oh, even yeah. in great movies like tone is just and it, it, to me that's the thing that pisses me that a bad tone like tonal shifts bad tonal shifts turn me off of a movie more than anything nowadays and I think like Tarkovsky just has this constant tone throughout this whole movie that sometimes it's sad sometimes it's just a, like, like I was thinking about this too like Solaris and Stalker and in the mirror as well, all this really just somber tone. Yeah. And yet... He not- never tries to, like, sugarcoat it. No, and at the same yeah. time, though, it, very little of the, those movies... I, I, I think all of them are, like, PG. No. Like, none of them feel like... I think I think Solaris is G. Like, none of them are are violent or gory or crazy but no. there's just there's just you just feel constantly like it's the things that subtle depressed yeah every, just every, like everything sad. people that things that people say to make yeah. you think about stuff yeah it's like oh like yeah that's, that's really no but I, I really i really really dug solaris and I, I i um i think it's just really good hard sci-fi um i'm gonna ask at the end of every single one of these question do you have anything else you want to say oh no that was it uh was there anything? Because I think in every single one of these, there's, there's stuff that kind of gets with me. Uh, because of his filmmaking style, there are just scenes that are just creepy to me. Um, and I think all these movies have small things oh, sure. that creep me out. Like, I think the part when he stares out into the into like the void and and like the camera goes towards like the window, the black, just, yeah, it's all black. Yeah, I think that, that freaked me out. I was yeah. like, this thing pop up. Like, this is, is kind of creepy. Yeah. It, it's some stupid movie. It's, you see some alien at the window, <laughs> but um. I think the shots of Slayers, like the water, I think it was kind of... Like, those really are, yeah, those made me uncomfortable. Because you don't even know what the fuck you're looking at. You're like, what? Like, what I, I don't... I was trip. I was... I'm trying to think what... The video recording of the one guy kind that, of trips that me. That was Because weird. especially, like, the girl in the background and everything. That was kind of freaky to me. Um, I didn't like... I, I kind of got creeped out whenever it's the... Um, whenever it's the part of the... Um, of the... Uh, well, the, the multiple wives in the room kind of weirded me out. That was... Because it was showing how many, like... Like, I think I think it's showing how many, like... Isn't it showing how many people have, like, died? Like, going through this? Like, you remember the part when he's laying... Like, he's laying down in bed and he's looking. There's, like, mo- there's like a shot just goes across the whole room. And there's, like... There's, like, multiple of, like... Oh, that's right. Wives. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, it goes all the way around the room. And then it finally shows her sitting. Yes, that was a little... Yeah, that one's, yeah. one's kind of strange. There's a, yeah, there's a couple... The part when he puts her in the fucking rocket... And bl- that that fucked with me. Well, the, I'll tell you what fucked me is there's the sound effect they have for when it, I think it's the same sound effect when she hurts herself when he leaves, and it's the same sound effect they use when, and it's like it's an inhuman noise. It's almost like the first time we yeah. hear that this might not be like a fully human presence. It's yeah. like a, Wah! it's like really, it was just really like, whoa, what the fuck? It was definitely it was, that that kind of freaked me out. There I like the, how she always has the mark of where she killed herself. Yeah. 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 I don't know why he has to cut off her outfit. I've never realized that. Like he cuts it with scissors. He cuts yeah. off her outfit. I don't know about that one. Yeah. But um, yeah, we'll continue on to very good. The mirror baby. The mirror. The mirror baby. Hell yeah, Tarkovsky Bros. Talk do you want the... me to explain the plot of the mirror? Please do. I, I feel like I feel like if I ask you, you just be like the mirror. Is, <laughs> I mean, I I will say I'll I'll say this. I know it's a very autobiographical story. I know it's all about. I know it's I know it's. Three different timelines, 
Yes. With the same actors. Each yeah. not all the same, but the kid actor is playing the main character, the narrator as a kid. The mom is also playing the wife, which plays into the plot a lot. Um I know it takes place there's before the war, during the war, and after the war. I know that those all three take place. Yeah. Um and I know that it's probably about life and regret and the mirror imagery is, is much how, how life reflects itself, how the, the, you know, the things that we of our childhood reflect the, our adulthood, mothers reflect wives. I, 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 that's, that's what I got out of the mirror. And then there so was a fuck, and then there was a scene where a kid threw a grenade, and I was like, "What the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, what the fuck uh, is happening?" Uh, yeah, yeah. There's some there's some really uh, strange stuff in the movie, but um, it's not even strange. Like, I mean, there's some weird visuals, but like, I, I it was more just like. To be fair, there's stuff in the movie that Andrei Tarkovsky can't even explain. And that's fine. And, I'm I, not and I'm not saying someone who disliked the movie. I just th- this was the one that I was kind of like, okay, this one's taken a while for me to like get into. Okay. And it's not my. It's just not my thing. No, no, I, I, I get it's that. the shortest one. But I, I also, but again, I appreciate its ambition. I was like very interested in it. I definitely recommend re- uh, uh, rewatching it after we talk about. Oh, it. I want to. I, re- I, I definitely recommend it. it. It's, I want to, especially that short. It's, it's the like shortest one. Yeah, I think we should say yeah, that too. The first one was the Flares is the longest, like two hour forty six. Yeah, this one's like hour forty seven, and then I think no, actually, Stalker's longer. Stalker's longer? Yeah. Are you sure? I found that out the other day. I thought oh. Solaris was longest. Okay, so... The, Stalker's two hours and 49 minutes, and I think that... I don't um, think that's right. I think I Stalker's think like two hours and 42, and then nah, Solaris... Like, who gives a shit? They're both... Stalker and Solaris are both long. Long as fuck. And Mirror's short, yeah. <laughs> Mirror's only an hour 45. Um, so, I am going to correct some small things, but... It's not that big of a deal. Go ahead. The, 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 so I recommend, if you're going to, if anybody ever thinks about watching this movie, you should know it is split up into three timelines, like you said. And actors. Pre-war. Yeah. Pre-war, post-war, during the war. Um, the girlfriend and the mom are actually the same exact actress. Yes, that I know. Which is, That's which is she does great. She's, she's awesome. She's my, favorite, she's my favorite part of the movie. Um, that was the stuff that I found the most engaging. That I was like, I was like watching her performance. I was like, dang, this reminded me of Tilda Swinton. And, and, uh, you know what it reminded me of actually was, strangely, it was a... A performance that it reminded me of the Suspiria. That I could say it reminded me of. This is a weird comparison. It, this almost felt like um, a truncated, like artsier, non-linear boyhood. <laughs> and, and I, I thought of her as Patricia Arquette as kind of like the mom actress that really carries the movie through. Um, but yeah. Um. Yeah. What I'm gonna expand upon is that the expand upon is the um, the main plot line. Is a man is dying from an illness, mm-hmm. and he is recounting every yeah, event. That's sorry, I knew that. I should have that said that part. Knows, and he's thinking about things that have happened with his mom. His mom's actually with him on his deathbed. Yes, and so is his uh, past wife, ex-wife. Yeah. Now, pretty much at this the black, point. the black-haired yeah. girl. Yeah, um, and and he's laying there on his deathbed, and he is basically just recounting his whole life, and he's in his forties, and um, I'm going to explain two pretty major themes of this movie that I think are very important if you're going into it especially. This film is by far the most metaphorical of all three of these movies. Mm-hmm. It's by far the most just... He spent, he spent I think, nine years writing this. Wow. He spent an insane amount of time. And this movie also has scenes that would make no sense unless you look them up. 
They and I will and I will be perfectly honest. Well, oh, I looked up. I had to stop the movie. I, I'll be honest, I'll be honest with you. There's a few things in this movie that are like you would never, ever on God's planet. It's because Andrei Tarkovsky has described this as his most passionate film. He has said that he gave zero fucks to follow anything that anybody told him to mm-hmm. do, and he just wanted to do his own thing. Mm-hmm. He didn't care. And I, I wanted to specifically point upon how. The man dies at 40, or right around 40, due to an illness he gets. I, I forget if it's clarified in the film. But um, he, the, the reason why he's dying at 40, there's, there's a whole message and a theme in the film about how no matter where your place is in history, you are immortal to history. Mm. Like, whatever you do, it matters, mm-hmm. like, period. If, even if it's for better or for worse, whatever you are doing, it matters. Mm-hmm. And so you people need to understand that. And so he's making a point, it doesn't matter when you die. Nobody should be concerned about when you die. Mm-hmm. Everything about what everything you do is immortal. Immortal, yeah. It's always going Your to actions. change everybody's lives. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's for better or for worse. You are immortal, and you need to understand that. Mm. And at, he he talks about this through the main character accepting he's going to die mm-hmm. and recounting all of his events and basically telling this philosophical theme. And he also tells one that's basically about people and about selfish selfishness he tells a whole theme about uh a good way of describing it is this is let's say you focus more on things around you rather than the people around you like let's say you focus on things like in your own life you don't focus on the people around you and that would be considered selfish he is also bringing up the idea that what if it is selfish to focus on the people around you and yourself and not focus on the things that are going on in the world. Mm. What if that is selfish? And he, he brings up, and I think that's why this is the most applicable to nowadays, too, especially. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, because the the reason why the intro, and I, I'm going to go on record and say the intro is one of my favorite intros ever made. The, with the kid being cured of his stuttering? Um, or is that... No, the, no I, I, I'm, I'm going to treat it like a Saving Private Ryan. Okay, that's like, like the, like, yeah. That's, that's not the intro. I do love that intro, though. I'll get to why I love that intro, but... Um, do you know why that's the intro? No, but I... I just love why, it. Why, I want to. I want to ask you why do you love it before I. Before I just. I, I just thought it was because I want to. I want to ask you before I tell you what what he was going. Because I'm for. sure it's not at all. It's it, it's something you would never like. I, I I don't care who it is. Like you're nobody's ever gonna be able to guess. I I. Uh, fuck man, I I looked at it because that's the that's the modern day uh, the modern day portion with the the that was the sun right watching that yeah. Um. I had a. Feeling that that kid was not—I'm not feeling. I, I feel like that kid was horribly was not loved by his parents, mm-hmm. um, by the main narrator, by his. Mm-hmm. And to me, that almost felt like him watching this woman cure the the guy with the stuttering was on TV. Was like this feeling of comfort that anyone can help you, anyone can fix you. You just need to have someone by your side. Like, I, that's how I felt it. Like, like if he had the support that that kid on TV has, then maybe he could, he could also... could have his voice. Yeah, he could have his voice. That is, that is a, um, that ties into what I was going to say, but it's, it's, it's applicable to Andre Tarkovsky. Andre Tarkovsky has said that the mirror is the first time he ever felt like he had a voice in film. Mm. He said that he was, he, he, Never felt like he could tap into things that were personal to mm-hmm. him and really explore his his um, own experiences in life. Mm-hmm. And he said the mirror cured him of his stuttering. 
And he said that's why he made that scene. Mm. He said it was literally meant to be him. Like, he always stuttered. He always just doesn't know if he can tap into his personal life. Doesn't know if he can tap into his emotional experiences in life. Like, literally stuttering? Yeah, literally. Liter- well, well the, you know, the stuttering is metaphorical for, like, he constantly. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, his writing, he gotcha. could never convey the emotion that right. he felt growing up. Like, the things that he dealt with. And he said the mirror felt like, and the guy finally says, he says, I can speak. I can speak, at the end yeah. of it. And that was him saying that literally... With this movie, I can say everything I've ever wanted to say about okay, my life. Wow. I can do whatever I want. That's a that's an interesting thing about Tarkovsky too, especially the mirror. It's like I feel like to fully understand this movie, you have to understand Tarkovsky as a person. You also have to understand when it came out, like because it's an anti-Soviet film. If you we're gonna, I'm gonna go into the uh, reason why the intro is one of my favorite intros ever, mm-hmm. and it ties into what one of the second major themes of this movie is. Right. And it definitely shows that it's anti-Soviet. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, I just... It, it's... That, that is a situation where that in opening makes no fucking sense if you are not aware of Tarkovsky at that moment. At yeah. the, at I that. like how you tied it in, though, with the kid. I just I, thought I, I really like that. That's, that's not even something I came up with. Something. I just thought, like... I don't know. I mean, I just there had to be a reason that kid is watching that. I think um, that maybe uh, he, he probably made it applicable to the kid's life as well, because it is. It's him as a kid, pretty much. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much how he felt as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he... So the, the the intro after this, the beginning, That's a great is scene. there's there's a whole scene where um, uh, Alexi's uh, ex-wife, technically, she has the kid and everything, and they're on like the farm or whatever. This is when he was a younger kid. He was the younger version of himself, right? Younger version of himself. E- because yes. that's the because that's the I wrote farm. Down a note. Sorry, the farm, I wrote down the farm is when him. he's when is during the war, or is before the war. That's when he was a. Yes, it is. It's during pre-war time. Sorry. So that's and that's time. when he was a little kid. Yeah, that's when mom. he was a little kid with his mom. Yeah. yeah. So you're right about that. The um. Uh. So the the mom is just chillaxing. She says some whole entire thing where she's like, oh, if this person looks this way rather than this way... It's like, your father. Yeah, it's your father because like, if he looks to the house before he looks this way, then it's your father. That's pretty much what she always says because everybody always looks towards, like I think it's like a town or something yeah. or like off into the woods or something and, mm-hmm. and that's what they always do. And then they'd see the house and they're like, oh, I can go seek help there. Right. So she knows that the person's not their father because he looks forward right. rather than towards the house. Right. And he walks up and he they talk for a while and he says a really interesting line because he breaks the fence that they're on and he says a whole interesting line about like what if what if plants can feel everything we do and he says a like a joke he said what if plants can feel everything we do and we just don't nobody gives a shit mm-hmm. like we just don't pay attention to it because we're so obsessed with our own inner workings like who gives a fuck is that and the comment on communism being. Um, well, this is when it majorly gets into like this is totally anti-Soviet. So she um. So she goes back inside and like there she ignores pretty much everything he says. He fucking leaves. There's a beautiful part where you see all the wind blowing around the plants, which I think is like meant to be like the plants literally reacting mm-hmm. to what he did. Like in a in that a, image a, is amazing. That that that's one of those beautiful shots. Sta- I've ever he seen stands there and the higher field just. That's one of those beautiful shots I've ever it's seen. Ama- that, I was, that was that was stunning. I, I, I don't even know how they did that. Yeah, because I was like that that looks natural. It had to be natural. Yeah, there's no helicopter, no. And, and, and and even if there was, it would blow. Was he just out. like, okay, it's windy now. We got filmless. Yeah, it's like you're waiting for that it's one like shot where where it, where it, it's slowly going up too. I don't know. It's like this yeah, perfect. It really... It's this perfect shot. That's like, like when I when I thought when the movie was over, that's like the image that stuck with me. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. Thing. And then she goes inside. She talks with the kid. She got you know like tosses. It. She's like, all right, yeah, you can go to this or go to that. And there's a barn burning in the backyard mm-hmm. that nobody noticed. 
And it's meant to be history going by, and it's fucking destruction and terrible, mm-hmm. and nobody noticed. Nobody thought of it. Like, they're all, like, she's literally outside just relaxing. The two kids are, like, playing at the table, and then they realize, oh, the barn's on fire. And it's literally the Soviet Union in the yeah. background. Nobody's paying attention to it. Like, yeah. it's terrible. There's even USSR imagery in this that's, like, totally, like, against what they do. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a... Uh, that That burning fires that's actually that shot of the burning farm when it's going through the house and then goes outside because it 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 shows it off to reflection and it's insane you're like you're like the last person to see it yeah the audiences so it's like you know so i'd actually seen that image i think it was on the um cinefix yeah they did like a top 10 greatest shots of all time like number two was like the the burning um barn and but just seeing it in action, like, you see, it, she's talking to the kids, the camera moves, and she goes, there's a barn on fire, the camera's run, the camera kind of stays there, it pans. Waits for the glass to waits fall. Waits for the glass to fall. There's a glass on the table, it falls. Goes up, you see... The barely the, a reflection. Barely a reflection yeah. of the mirror, and then the wife runs out, camera still falls her pants, and then it just does the slow glide to the right, and you just see the the whole thing on fire it's amazing it's beautiful yeah he is so meticulous yeah he like he sits that's why i understand the kubrick thing why he was chosen as the next kubrick because that's so kubrick they they picked him too because his uh his father was apparently one of the greatest poets of russia aren't they they wanted to do an extension don't they read his poetry in the in the movie his father's poetry is used in the movie yeah in the mirror Um, and it actually fits in because there's literally the shot where it says um he says, we are we are all immortal to time. And he says something like that. And then he mm-hmm. and then right after that he says, I am con- I am content with my life though. I would rather live he said, I would rather rather live safe in the warmth of a corner. Mm-hmm. And it's just all about like just ignoring everything that goes on around you and you just you'd rather live in comfort of your own home. It's him accepting that. So is it an autobiography about his life or his dad's? Um, I think it's supposed to be him as the kid and then his at, dad at, in the dude. modern day? Yeah. That's him? Okay. Because I was thinking of it as this is his whole life and the dad, the new narration, that's still Andre Tarkovsky. I think he's basically telling a story about his parents and how he felt about them and how they were. And um, that's he's telling that through the perspective of who would be his father who died. Well, because also, too, that, that, makes, that makes more sense to me. Because then it makes sense that his father wouldn't treat... Because his father, I mean, it, his father's an asshole to him, right? Like, his father's yeah. a dick. And it's, but it's clear that he didn't have a father. His father was at war, and he was ra- He says to himself, he says his says to his wife, he was like, "I was raised by women. I was raised by you know." Yeah. And I think that is kind of like this idea of he doesn't really have a father figure, so therefore it's kind of like rubbing off poorly onto the the kid. Yeah, you notice how um, one thing that's very interesting about this film. So the theme of the fact that like everything in history is flying by and you're not focusing on any of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they even talk about how nobody gives a shit about the present. Nobody gives a shit about anything going on. They always care about like what happened in the past, what happened in the future. They literally have a line like that. They yeah, and there, there's there's even a line that has to talk about historians don't even care about the present. They just mm-hmm. care about history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like people are going to give shit about more about what's going on right now in the future than they are right, right now. And um, there's a great little um, there's a great little detail about this film that I don't I feel like also knowing this before going into the film, people will like it more. Is that you are rarely ever going to see who the main character is. I love that. Yeah, you see the father... Okay, twice. You yeah. see him when he... First time you see him really... When he comes back from war. War, that's what I was going to say. There's the ending, and then there's also a part where he's on a phone call. 
That's it. Mm, yeah. yeah. And all you see is his legs. You don't even see his face. Well, yeah, the face you only see is... There's a whole conversation he has with a girl where it just, it doesn't even show him. Yeah. There's some, I mean, yeah, we talked about the floating scene earlier in the podcast, but, like, that is a beautiful image, like, just of this... That part when the two people are in the house... That was the scene that, that fucked me up. That scene. Because I was like, what is going on? This is yeah. weird. That's like, the scene that Andre Tarkovsky can't even explain. It's, I, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty insane. I like to take... There's certain points... This is how I like to watch this movie, too. I think there are certain points in this movie where this person's dying from an illness, and they are, they are going insane. I think there oh, are certain yeah. points where, they are, where, they're, where they're mixing up events, they're doing things wrong in their head, and I think that that's what that one scene is, right. where the kid walks in the room and he sees those two people and they start talking. Mm-hmm. I think that's just literally this dude just mix, taking these well, I was gonna, and throwing I, them around. I hate to turn the topic to a fucking video game, but I was playing Last of Us 2, and that game is non-linear, and, which is fine. But it also has like flashbacks within flashbacks within, mm-hmm. and and stories within stories of like oh this happened we gotta show you a fl- you have to play an hour long flashback to, and it, it's really messy like it, it gets to a point where you're like, as good as the game is it's like the, there's no point for it to be this nonlinear for me at least yeah but for something like Tarkovsky as 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 messy as it seems at first you're like, why is this going from this thing to black and white footage to why is it, what it's all so deliberate and everything everything connects yeah. to it, it reminded me of um the best use of that was uh Greta Gerwig's Little Women recently it's like there's it's non-linear but still didn't see that oh dude you love it it's so it's not it's non-linear but it, everything is perfectly reflecting what happened before yeah and 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 everything in in the mirror lines up it uh, lines think, up. Think, I think about it. I think knowing tonally that, and atmospherically, it just it lines up. I think knowing about the three timelines and knowing you're not going to see the main character a lot, and I think knowing that this film is. I also think knowing that it's like twenty five percent war footage and just yeah. footage of like okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't understand what the fuck that Spanish guy was doing. I don't know what. The, what what part? The Spanish guy comes shows up at the uh, at the house of. Um, He's t- telling about bullfighting. Bull bullfighting. Oh, I remember. And he has a whole up. thing about like he has a he like they have like, a bull. He he lost something, and then like he like tells his wife to shut the fuck up. And he like hits her, and then it's like he's clearly lost. He's lost the pa- he misses the past, and I was just like, what the fuck is going on right now? I was like, what the fuck is happening? There were a couple. There were, I'm not gonna lie. There were a couple times we were watching talking about it. You're right. I do need why watching because talking about it, I'm like, oh, this is way more interesting than I gave it credit yeah. for. Like, I, I mean, it's interesting, but I, like, I wait. Like, I, it's funny. I after talking about Solaris, I didn't have much to say about Solaris. Yeah. And initially, I thought I liked Solaris more. While I'm talking to you, I'm thinking maybe I like the mirror more because a lot to talk about. Talk a lot to talk about the mirror. Every scene you can talk about. With yeah, movie, but I will say, but initially watching it, there were a lot of pauses and a lot of being like, this is, this is, there's, this is, I don't know how I feel about this. This is a little too much for me. A little too. It's I described it's it a little as, slow, but you know how I many people say that movies are like over sensory nowadays. Like they're so overwhelming. Like yeah. There's so much shit going on. I said that the mirror is the first time I've ever felt like overly over censored with art. Like I'm just it's sitting like, there, is, like what the fuck what is, is happening? happening? And it's not even like a when when we say what the fuck is happening, it's not like a art house like a Lynch or a someone. It's like visual craziness. Yeah. It's not like that. It's just like. It's like what? How do these stories line up? They're so yeah. weird, and 
I think that the if I could give the best example from the what you're describing that seemed to be because I I remember saying that but um I think what it's meant to be is Andre Tarkovsky tapping into this this kid that he created that's I guess supposed to be him but mm-hmm. that this kid uh living living life and seeing these different people mm-hmm. almost regret things that they've done mm-hmm. like seeing the past and like I don't know if he's there in that scene but that scene is not a past no he's watching he's watching yeah. Okay, well then I think that's what it's supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be this kid seeing these people reflecting on their past and realizing just how, like... Can I ask you what what you think the point of the scene was near the beginning um, with the mom working at the newspaper, as a, as at the newspaper place? Yeah, uh, yeah, the newspaper part where she makes a screw up. Yeah, what do you, what do you think that was... There's like three different themes in that scene. It's just off of one fucking scene. It's fucking ridiculous. There's also repeated uh, this. This I I, I want to explain this really quickly because this actually does go into that scene. Mm-hmm. But there's repeated imagery in all these movies constantly, and not the mirror stuff, not that stuff. But every movie has its own individual like. There's a uh, philosophical idea behind a certain image, and they put them in all three of these movies. Mm. Um, I I forget what it was for Solaris, but in the um, in the mirror, it's plants, and I think it ties right back to that thing where it's like. Where it's like, oh, do plants feel? We just don't give a shit. Like we focus mm-hmm. on our own stuff, and like it's it's all about like not focusing on anybody else besides what your inner workings are, mm-hmm. and that's how you live life because that's what you're comfortable with, and it, it matters though. People act like it doesn't matter, and people act like they're not immortal from that. And, right. and there's a whole that whole scene where she goes that there's actually plants just lined up across the walls mm-hmm. in that scene, and uh, I think it's very interesting because that can be taken one of two ways. That can be taken as she made this mistake. She thought she made a mistake in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And it's her so focused on, like, these, like, her own, like, inner workings herself and everything. And there's this new girl there. And she treats her like fucking garbage. Yeah, she does. Like, totally, like, total garbage. And even the girl, lady at the very end, like, completely makes fun of her for saying, like, yo, like, you don't even give a fuck about this girl. Yeah. And, like, and, like basically, like, roasts when she When she her. doesn't know where the piece she's looking for is. Yeah. she gets mad at her. Yeah, and then she starts crying because of it. Yeah. And it's just, like, her... For one thing, it's her getting a taste of her own medicine, but it's also the realization of how much just ignoring people and mm-hmm. just, like, acting like nothing. Like, you're just... You're so determined with your own shit. Like, everything well, about does that. that... Does that... Tell and you? I also think it reflects with, um... With... With... We were talking about the newspaper and how she makes a mistake specifically with the... Com- with, like, a, like, a Soviet Union country and things like mm-hmm. that. And it's like how how much like how much she would get fucked mm-hmm. if they found out. It was about, she wrote something about Stalin too. Like yeah, it was a like, bad like, word about Stalin. Yeah, and it's like uh, how much she would get screwed over if yeah. she if they found out about this. And it's her so obsessed with how much she would get screwed over, but yet she's not really realizing the comfort. Or she's she's accepting the comfort, but she's not realizing the idea of like these people are horrible. Like why mm-hmm. like why aren't you fighting against this? Like and and Andrei Tarkovsky, this fits in with the idea of. Andrei Tarkovsky is always saying this. Why the guy dies at forty again and is brought up multiple times. Death at any age does not matter. Mm-hmm. Like you need to stand up for what you believe in. Mm-hmm. Like it does not matter if you die. Mm-hmm. If anything, you probably are going to make better for a greater cause if you die doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's like and I think he's really trying to make a stand against Soviet the Soviet Union. Like he's trying to tell people like quit acting like everything is okay. Quit acting like that. Oh, like the problem is I need to fix this before the Soviet Union would find out and I would get killed. Mm-hmm. You need to be reacting like I need to try and fight against them. Actually, in fact, actually, I wish I'd fucking put right. out something bad about them. Well, I was also gonna say, going kind of back to what you said about um, everything you do has an effect on someone. Like, how how does that tie in? Because I think I have my own theories as to the scene. I think the scene that I was really like 
okay, I really like this movie, was when um, they go to the neighbor's farm. She teaches, she says, oh, I, I, I'm pregnant, like, I need someone to cut, to, basically, you know, cut the chicken's heads off yeah. when we do it. And um, the way she, like, explains to her mom, like, oh, well, you need to do like this, and the mom just fucking grabs it and boom, just does it. Yeah. And then she's, like, there's this great job. It's just slow motion looking right at the sun. And he just looks at her. And it's almost like, and the way she shot, it's like the light on her face is different. It's, like, very, you know, intimidating. And it's almost like he sees his mother as a different person in that moment. Like, she's not the woman he knew. Yeah. Like, she's completely shifted. And that's almost the image that strike, it just registers with his mom the most. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, like, how do you think that plays into, like, how he married, how he, like, I think there's just something... Well, there's obvious reflection. They, they even say it directly. There's obvious reflection before about his mom compared to his wife and how they're oh, yeah. like the same person. And yeah. Stuff. And even actresses, they're the same oh, yeah, yeah. actress. I think the best thing about these fucking movies, too, is that you legitimately get something where you think about yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like, like, I sit there and I'm just like, damn. Like, this is like... Like really, just like you have to cut. You have to think all about like your like own well, idea I'll, of all this. I'll get into that with Stalker because there's a there's a moment in that movie where I was like, damn, that's Stalker gets to me the most by yeah, far. Yeah, with it, and that's why I've been saving that one for last. But but yeah, no, I mean I, yeah, I, you know, talking about the mirror again really has made me like, maybe I need to re- revisit it because I mean I definitely have a lot. It stuck with me a lot. Like I said, that fine that moment that stretch of the movie when he gets to the neighbor's farm and. You know, they see the baby, and she cuts the chicken's head off, and um, that shot where he's, she's in the other room with the the woman in the barn, and he just looks at himself in the mirror, and like that that really struck me. I thought that kid too just had like a really just interesting face, just so sad. So, um, yeah, I, I I really yeah. There's a um we could like... talk about um. A couple last things I want to say, especially, is that I want to, I want to, I don't want to say just Andre Tarkovsky's perspective, because it fits in the movie, too. But even taking it from his perspective, his dad's a poet. He's a filmmaker. Right. And I think it's, I think the dad found his voice at a certain age. Mm-hmm. I think he found his voice at a certain age. Right. And I think it's generation by generation, they, they don't get along, with their, their parents might not mesh well together, people don't get along. And you always find your own voice from being, like, dragged behind, from being, you know, the, the forgotten one, you know. The mom probably wanted a girl instead of a kid, instead of a guy, mm. instead of a boy. And it's all about being, being, being left behind and still finding your voice and finding your immortality, even in this world that's so captured by what's going on in history. Mm-hmm. And by finding that, you have found purpose. You have found your voice. That's good. All right. That's the mirror. You really looked into the mirror. I really like the mirror. But I loved, I absolutely adored our next movie, um, which was probably one of his most beloved movies, actually, which is Stalker. Um, Do you want to explain the plot of Stalker, Tyler? Yes, I can. I can do it very simply. It's very simple. Because I'm... An intellectual things cannot be smart and li- <gasps> I need Star Wars the mirror is consume Disney Disney Plus should have Solaris we start campaigning for Stalker to be on Disney Plus. <laughs> can you imagine here, it's, kind of, it's kind of how I felt when the straight story was on Disney Plus let's lighten the mood a bit here's what we're gonna do okay 
We're gonna we're gonna tell me what's the dumbest thing you've seen in the past week, just really quickly. Dumb movie? Yeah. Uh, oof, um, what's the dumbest thing you've seen recently? God, there's so much dumb shit. Um, I guess I you like the mirror, duh. Yeah, duh. <laughs> boring. Okay. Um, dumbest thing I've seen in the past week. Uh, I can tell you mine. Go. I'll tell you, this is a Hobbit trilogy. Okay, well, that's easy. You just yeah. put yourself through hell. I don't know. What's the dumbest thing I've seen? Um, You've also been playing Last of Us 2. Fuck you. It's not that dumb. No, no, no. I wasn't, I wasn't sorry. I wasn't quite. I was just saying that was a different topic. Oh, yeah, yeah. playing Last of Us yeah, 2. Yeah. It's really fun. Yeah. Um, really great game. Great game. Um, dumbest thing I've seen. Um, I guess I watched... Godzilla King of the Monsters a little bit again. Oh, day. that's not even dumb. That's a badass I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> what is the dumb... I, I, don't, I don't put myself... Transformers? That's not recently, though. I guess um, Robocop 3 is pretty fucking dumb. <laughs> Robocop podcast plug. <laughs> um, so... That in mind, we will be a little. We'll be a little bit more lighthearted for this one. No more, no more this philosophical bullshit. No, I, I like when you get philosophical. I just, yeah, I, just, yeah, yeah, I, just I just feel stupid. Yeah, 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 yeah. You usually feel stupid. You're not the. You're not the smart one. I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> like genre movies. I'm not really good at philosophical. I, I'll tell you this: the reason why I love Andrei Tarkovsky as much as I do is because I grew up as a big Ridley Scott kid. I love Ridley Scott films. I really do. Mm. And he has always been about. Philosophy, even though it was way more subtle in his older films. Oh yeah. He he's 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 gone off the deep end with it. <laughs> but uh, I've always loved his films because uh, I. Is he a Tarkovsky fan? Is that? Maybe no, but I I, I was gonna say the reason why I like Tarkovsky is because he's basically Ridley Scott times one hundred. Like if if you just if you gave if you took the visual style and the the um the deadpan quietness mm-hmm. of like a Stanley Kubrick film and then you just threw Ridley Scott at it that's basically Andre Tarkovsky that's fair and I think that's why I love him yeah. <laughs> so much because he's basically like this I don't want to say the smarter Ridley Scott because I love Ridley Scott so much and I really do love some of his movies but that that is probably the reason why I love him as much as I do because mm-hmm. he just he takes these philosophical ideas and even these like questions asking about like your psyche and the way you see things and right. stuff and he just takes them and he doesn't he asks like 10 different themes in this movie and he breaks down each theme and dives into every little nook and cranny, like every possibility you could even think of with each one of these until you are forced to answer a question. You can't just question around it. He will keep on questioning the same exact idea over and over through his visual style and through his dialogue until it's down to just a simple question of whether or not, for example, with Stalker, if you have faith in something or if you're a realist. Mm-hmm. That is, that is the, one of the main themes. Of well, let's let's just talk about it. let's talk yeah. about Stalker. Yeah. Explain the plot. Stalker. So Stalker is yeah. about um, in the future. I don't know if it's future. It's not really future. It's just kind of a alternate universe. But uh, there's this meteorite that landed call in a landed in um, a forest, and it created a place called the Zone. And the Zone. Is a basically like a contaminated place um, that has been affected by this extraterrestrial, we think, uh, meteorite. And in the zone, there is a room, and in the room, you can um, your heart's desire will come true if you step through the room. Um, and a stalker is um, this man, and the stalker is a man who takes people into the zone. Um, 
to go and get their greatest heart's desire. Now, when you go into the zone, it is dangerous. Um, there is, uh, you get tested emotionally, physically. Um, the, uh, the landscape is always changing. Um, every time you look, um, very subtly, not like with crazy effects or anything. Um, but the stalker uh, himself has demons that he's facing and he is, it's a story about faith, it's a story about, um, you know, um, the true philosophy of man, uh, what are men's true desires, it's very, and, and should we be, should we be fearful of our own desires? That's what I thought. Um, and it's wonderful. It's a wonderful movie. It's absolutely great. So what do you, what do you, what do you think about Stalker, Tyler? Um, Are you reading I'm currently looking up if there is... There is a... There is... Um, I think it was canceled. There was a, They were in the middle of filming a... Um, Remake? A TV series remake. Oh, interesting. That was uh, going to be based off the book Roadside Picnic, okay. which was which renamed Stalker, Stalker for you know, obvious reasons. Brand. Right. Brand name. Recognize. <laughs> I love. Because when you read the Blade Runner book and it just it does not have at all the original title. No, it's Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Yeah. It's, Blade Runner. And, the, and it's so funny, though, because if you pick up a book now of it, it says, like, Blade Runner logo. It says, like, the story that inspired Blade Runner, and then really small text says, "Do Android Dream like shit." I know, like anybody, anybody gives a fuck. Anyway. It's Blade Runner. I've seen that before. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> I doubt Stalker has that big of a fan base. It's hilarious that that the way I'm describing people right now is exactly the reason why I watch Stalker. I played the video games, and I was like, Stalker. Oh I love the brand. What are, they, what are the games like? What are they? Um, it's basically like a super duper serious and more um, mature version of Fallout. Oh, but um, but like a, I don't I don't necessarily want to say Fallout. The, the environments look very Fallout. I was gonna say this about soccer, and it's a movie you hate. I really like, but it reminded me of uh, Annihilation a lot. Um, yeah, I can see elements of it for sure. In the scene, in the sense that it's a it's a zone, an area that's been contaminated by something. Extraterrestrial, we don't know what it is. Um, obviously, Annihilation is way more special effects heavy, but it's got that vibe to me of like we're going into the zone that's locked off, and you're gonna see things that are gonna fuck with you. And yeah, I want to mention a couple of things first about Stalker before we go into it. So that means we'll have more, you know, grasp about everything. Okay, so um, obviously everything's up to interpretation in these movies, but one of the I would say what some of the main interpretations are of certain things really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, trains are meant to represent realism mm -hmm. and a realist perspective of things. So, because there's a lot of train imagery in this movie, there's a lot, and there's yeah. also a lot of sounds from trains. Oh yeah, um, that actually represent, and that goes all the way to the ending of the film. Uh, this film, to me has a lot to do with... I do agree with the final thing I remember you saying, which was not knowing what your most secret desires are and not knowing what you would what you would want most in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that Stalker in particular, the... Um, sorry. That scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Why do you have a timer set? I, 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 whoops. You're keeping this in, by the way. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> um... I think that stalker. <laughs> I think that stalker though. Um, 
I do think it has to do with like being scared of what your most inner desires are, inner inner um, wants and needs. I also think that it has a lot to do with uh, with faith, and if we um, if we move on from faith because maybe things will be better, or, or faith is all we have, and without faith we'll be ruined as a society. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot about both of those things. I think it's I think it's I think it's. It's not pro faith or against. No, faith. that's what I was gonna say. I think it's actually very. It's interpretation. It's interpreted. I, I don't know how I felt about the stalker, like as the character. I don't know how I felt about him because there were times when I was like, I can in the very beginning, you kind of hate him. You kind of hate him, but even at the end, though, I'm kind of like he's sort of self destructive. Yeah. He's, he's a character who I think you only understand. That actor, by the way, is amazing. Like, I think, I think, like, it's hard sometimes to recognize actors in foreign films because yeah. we can't hear what they're saying. But he is incredible. Like, he, yeah, he does a fantastic. He also looks job. like the most stereotypical Russian face I've ever seen. Just like the man who just looks so like <laughs> beaten and like bald. Yeah, yeah, he's bald. He's got like a bleach spot. I on know. His head. He looks like so. It's just like so um, funny. Oh, one thing I want to also say is that all the locations that have lakes that are foaming, that was just all Chernobyl lakes. Oh, yeah. That wasn't even... They didn't have to change anything. Oh, no. He even talks... Yeah, it looks like, awful. He was like, oh, yeah, that was just the lakes. That thing. looks fucking awful. Can <laughs> you like, imagine like, him just sitting in like, his bed, like, you know, like, releasing his final movie, and then he, like, hears Chernobyl, like, blow up, and he was like... It's, like, from, like, how, like, radiated and how disgusting it was, there was a meltdown, he's just like... Oh, I know, no. I shot a movie there. Oh, no. He's like, I shot my whole movie there. <laughs> yeah, no, that... that it That place looks... Well, I think that's also why it feeds into the feeling is like that just that setting at the beginning is just fucking disgusting. It's like fucking like just it's awesome looking, but it's just so like ugh, gross. Yeah. I think the film also has to do with when you strip away everything that humanity has. Um, do we do we chase after faith or do we chase after rebuilding? What what do you what do you do? Yeah. Um, because because that's all that's all the stalker has. It's but there he's chasing after like I don't know I. You can't. Nobody can call it. Uh, nobody can call it blind faith or faith. Yeah, I was gonna call it blind faith. I was literally yeah, just yeah, yeah, blind yeah. faith. It's 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 interpreted in the sense that's like do you have faith in what this thing does or do you not? That goes all the way to to the ending of the movie one hundred percent, which is why I love the ending so much. But um, the the film itself it it has the stalker in this situation where he is between these two people. It's the professor and the writer. And those those two characters have two vastly different interpretations of what what the meaning of life is, <laughs> why why we should exist. Mm-hmm. The the writer believes that that um that he wants his most uh, secret desire, which I think his most inner desire. I think in this movie they actually say pretty much what all the most inner desires are of all these characters, but they do it in very very subtle ways. I think his most inner desire is that he wants his art to be noticed for something. Oh, yeah. And I think that... Well, he, he has that whole speech. He has a whole speech where he talks about how people just devour your work. Mm-hmm. They, they hate you for it. They they just use you for financial gain. And that's what everything is in art nowadays. And that's what he talks but, about. See, I don't know if that's their most inner desire. Because I don't... Th- I think what makes the movie so good... I'm going to jump to the ending a little bit. Yeah. Sorry. But, like... See, they all say these things, and, 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 they, and they believe them, I think. I think they genuinely believe them. Yeah. I think what's so interesting about, um, about the movie is they mention this character, Porcupine, who is the guy who... He, he, he got rich off of the zone, and he brought his brother there. His brother died with him, and you would, he killed himself. Because he realized that not what he truly wanted was his brother to he live, wanted but money. he just wanted money. Deep down, like, that's his art. And I think that 
if he was so worried about what his inner desire was and he didn't go into the room at the end, it's because he has a feeling that his most inner desire is something he doesn't want to say what it is, but he knows it's not pretty. He knows it's not the art, the writing. I, th- I think I think what's th- I think that's what makes the movie so good is it's like, do you even want to know what your most inner desire is? Because I can say I love my family. Well, that's the I idea love... of is faith gonna corrupt people? Right. At the end of the day, like people's faith in this place is that gonna corrupt people? That's why the professor wants to blow it the fuck up. Right. He wants to blow up the whole place, and then he just gives up on it midway through. He's like, nope. That's the reason he came, right? Was to just blow it up? Is that? Yeah, he just wanted to blow it up. Yeah, that was it. He did. He he had like some sort of um, backstory with some past person. He wanted to like, he, he kind of wants to get back at them. This person who calls in the place, the you know the phone call that's mm-hmm. in the in the zone that he gets on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that that whole scene. It's kind of like this whole setup that you know he 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 really just wants to blow up this place and kind of destroy. He wants to destroy the conception that we can just have faith in something and that's just going to make us happy. No, we have to create our own happiness. We have to be our own individuals. People having false faith and false hope inside something that doesn't even do anything from his realistic perspective. None of it, none of this nothing of what the zone is actually matters. It's just right. something we all put faith into because we can't just pick up ourselves and do our own thing. And so he thinks that it will actually be healthier to just destroy it. Just be like, fuck it, get rid of it. Yeah. Get it out of people's life. It's the it's the conceptual idea of the um, of the God delusion by like uh, 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 Ray Dar- Ray. Darwin? Darwin, yeah. Darwin, which Ray Ray I'm not I'm not I'm not dissing it or or promoting it or anything. I don't I don't care. But um I will say it's it's the idea of like that that's a person who believes that like without without like faith inside these random things like we can we can go move further on. we yeah. can move on we can be better and um and then the writer kind of has this like opposite perspective and i love how they they both they both actually kind of switch by the end it's very interesting like they like the writer the writer eventually accepts like this because the stalker eventually finally starts speaking up the end. he has this amazing scene where he cries yeah I love that scene and he, he says how I have no hope in anything else in my life like mm-hmm. please let me keep this mm-hmm. and, he, he, and he can't even go in yeah and he talks about how, how much respect he has for the zone he doesn't want them to bring in any weapons because he's like he he really puts his heart and faith into this mm-hmm. and and he doesn't he I don't even think it's just that he can't go in but I also think he doesn't want to because he's not sure if any of it's true and I think he's scared of the idea of if it is true or not um, I think he's scared of if this is not true, I have no more hope in my life. I have no more faith, and that's all I've been hanging on to. That's all that makes me happy. And I think so. That's why he's there's always this imagery where he's stuck between the writer and the professor because mm-hmm. I think he has this internal struggle of like, well, if I if I go in there or anything, I'm accepting that like, what if this isn't real? What if mm-hmm. this is nothing? And then if he doesn't ever, he can just have this faith. He can have this respect for it, and that makes him happy knowing that. But it could just end up being false faith at the end of the day. Yeah. And um, which the, is, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of what religion is, right? I mean, in, in, in an extent, it's like you, we don't know. No, no, no one knows, knows. Yeah. and that's like, and it's not saying to him you're full of shit it's not saying it's not talking down to the characters yeah. either it's not like stalkers like they're saying to the stalker like you are an idiot like why the fuck would you believe this it's like yeah. he could be right but but he's terrified of like I think he's scared to he doesn't want scared, to, he's scared to figure it out he's scared to figure it out because yeah. he because he's put so much time you say he put so much time and respect into the zone and then he believes that the zone's gonna go the zone's gonna pull he talks there's a line where he talks about 
how everything that you do matters in the final reckoning. Mm-hmm. And and he mentions that, and that's that's a direct quote from the movie, and that is completely that's completely a, a, a companion piece to everything that everybody says about like how like well what happens in the afterlife like what happens when you die like what what happens it's all about religion, it's all about the idea of like well like and and uh, somebody who's an atheist could tell me like well I don't believe in God because you know this is right this is right like this is science this is fact and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and and somebody with faith could easily say like well what if you're wrong. <laughs> like, like, what if you're just wrong? Like, nobody knows what happens after mm-hmm. death. Nobody knows if you just die. Nobody knows if you there's a heaven, hell, or whatever. It's this idea of you have faith in something because, like, what if what if people truly are just wrong? Like, what if there's really like, like there actually is something, or if there is nothing? And it's like it's insane. Like, it's mm-hmm. this it's this idea that I think it works so well too because it's this idea. It, and I think this one affects people the most when they see it, out of, out of Andre Tarkovsky's films, at least from what I've seen, because it's applicable to everyone's life. Everyone's had this conversation with themselves. Everyone's had the conversation of, of do I believe in something? Do do I accept reality for what it is? Or do I go out further with my right. faith? Or like, and people have struggles with religion all the time with themselves. Mm-hmm. I think it's a struggle people are like, I don't think it's ever going to really go away. No. <laughs> I think people, because I think at a certain age, everybody asks themselves that. Like, do I believe in God? Mm-hmm. Do I believe in this? Do I believe in that? Do I want to look at other religions? Or do I want to just be an atheist? Or mm-hmm. do I want to accept what science is? Or do I want to whatever? Yeah, like all that stuff. Well, I think too... I also find it so interesting how they, they the, the guy doesn't blow up the place. Um, Nor do they go into the zone. They don't go into the room. Well, the room. The room. Yeah, they go they the don't zone. go into the room. And they, they, they just sit in the zone together, and the professor doesn't blow up the place out of the sheer fact that either either he feels like he, he could be wrong, or he feels like that he's taking away the last, like, hat, like, he sees the stalker. I think, yeah, I think that's why he does it, because he sees the pain, and, like, this is, like, you're taking, you're gonna take, we were, like... Well, I think that's why he wants to take, take it away, too, and, I, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking maybe he sees this dedication, this faith, and he that's also like, is, like, he's also, like, dude, there's, like, like, what if this dude, like, is, like, legit, like, right about this? Like, yeah, what's your, I mean, that's... so that's, much time and That's it. how I feel, I mean, yeah, that's how... And then the writer, writer hears all this stuff that's, like, logical to him, like, like, oh, the stalker says it's going to take a lot of time for your wish to be fulfilled. It's going to this and that and this. Like, that, that's one of the big ones that, like, it's going to take forever for, like, it might take years before your wish is fulfilled. And he's just like, you're just out for the money. Like, this is just a total yeah. sham. Like, this is stupid. And so he finally, and he, he's seeing that realistic perspective. Like, he sees his art being treated. Mm-hmm. Like, like oh, it's just devoured. They're just trying to make financial gains. Like, that was, he cries during that scene because he's realizing that art's not just art anymore. It's just this financial gain thing. People are going to devour it. And I think it's him also, he has the same exact response when he realizes, like, oh, this isn't about faith. This isn't about, this isn't about belief. This isn't about things, wishes coming true or anything. This is about money. This is about mm. corruption. This Sick. is about hurt, hurting people more than helping. This is about making people obsess over this stupid thing. And I think that everybody's stuck in this limbo with the stalker the moment they see his, just, he's so passionate about it. He's like, please don't do this. Well, it's like, it's like how, it's again, it, it's, uh, to me, it is the biggest religious allegory because it's all like, it's how I feel about people who are religious. You know, I, I don't, I don't know if I fully commit to any religion, but it, sometimes it, but a lot of times it works for people and it like, oh. it, it, it. It is. It's what they have. It's what. It's what gives them a purpose. Yeah. It's like, and it's like. I think the moment that the professor's like, "Am I gonna take this away from him?" Like, 
Like, no. he, like he, you know, this is all he has. You know, I mean, this is this is what keeps him going. I can't just destroy this for him. That's also another theme. Is that it's like, is like, is it best to to get rid of faith and move on, or is like faith does faith actually like have a place? Because like it it does like for example the stalker it gives him purpose. It helps him through his life. The guy lives like a really depressing life. Like he lives in like a shitty place. And don't get me wrong, like his his daughter and his daughter's sick, which we'll get into that later. But like his daughter's sick. He he treats his wife like crap. And and I, I and we don't really get a lot with the wife, so it's not really clarified whether or not if there's like this huge past with them where she's like. Oh, I think it's really well clear. I mean, I think that. Well, there's a part. There's definitely a scene when she where talks where, right to the camera. There's a part where she talks to the camera. There's also a scene where she offers to go with him, but I think that he says to her, "You know, what if you're, what if you can't handle it either? What if you, what if you don't believe in it? Don't believe in it. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't want faith in it." And um, I I want to mention a couple things about the um, about the about the train. There's a couple little shots. There's an amazing shot where the train is driving into this blinding light. Yeah, I love that. And it's right when it's they first right when they get behind it with the jeep. It's literally representing uh, the the stalker or the professor, whoever you want to see, just going into this like, just like completely, just this place is just based in faith, like your your happiness and faith and all yeah. this stuff, and how you're gonna how how is he gonna handle that? How is he gonna take that? Yeah. And um, I think one of the greatest shots ever in film as well is the part where they're all sitting outside in the zone outside the room, and the room's just right next to them. Yeah. And they just don't go inside. Just don't go in. They're like literally steps away. Yeah, and it's, it's right like there. they're just sitting there, and I, I love that they're all together, and the stalkers right in the middle still, and it's mm-hmm. like they're all like little huddled up. I think it's just amazing looking. It, yeah, it is. It's um, yeah. I wanna. I need to we end it later. I just wanna get to it now. I wanna talk about the daughter, because I think the daughter. Is such an interesting element because I think it I think it disrupts even the viewer's idea they might have just made. Like they're like, okay, I'm I'm totally on the side of the doctor and the and um, the writer, not the stalker. Okay. Um, but the daughter does something, and you're like, because the, the the way the daughter's used is so good too. Because you see her at the beginning, sleeping in between the wife and the husband, mm-hmm. and um, stalker gets up and leaves. And as right when he leaves, he has a big argument with his wife about you're gonna go. It's like it's gonna you know do this all the time. It's gonna kill yourself. And she argues, and then he leaves. And the last thing you see is the door slams, and the door opens back up again, and you just see her sit up. You see the girl yeah. sit up. And he says later on, you know, she's mutated, like, her legs are don't work. So you know, and, and I think, it was, it was was it because she was, because he went to the zone, so he's mutated himself, basically? Is that why she's... There's a few different interpretations. I'll get or did they, that, did they have I'll sex in the zone, or, like, what? Was she conceived in the zone? That's what I was confused about, too. During, during the... The, what what part with the daughter are you talking about? Just they say the daughter is mutated, and and they, oh she can't she can't like walk and stuff. Yeah, they say yeah. they say it's a mutation from the zone. It's yeah. There's a um, there's a uh, there's a we'll get into it with the ending, but um for sure. But the um, the zone can't cause things from him being in there so much, and from from being around her, he can mm-hmm. expose her to that stuff and expose her to mutations that can damage her. And I, that is, that is, that is the, I'll tell you this, that is the strongest interpretation of why the daughter is messed up. See, so, I just, I want to talk about the ending, because I can't. I will say also the scene where the wife is um, screaming and really upset because he left, yeah. he left again to go to the zone in the very beginning. The, when the train's passing by, I think that's supposed to be that 
uh, that she has faith that he'll return, but but in the background you hear the the realistic perspective that train noise that's mm-hmm. like industrial and it's uh it's meant to show that in the back of her head she's like well, he might not like he 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 always leaves again he he might not come back this time and all this stuff, so it's such a subversive movie too because like. I always tell people too before they watch it. I'm like, "There's no aliens in it." <laughs> I was like, "Please, well, yeah, and, <laughs> Please and, don't expect and they an don't, alien. and they don't, they don't get to the zone. I mean, it. I mean, they get to the zone. They don't go into. I mean, no, sorry, they don't go into the room. room. Yeah, the room, there's room. the room. There's the zone. Sorry, the room is where you get all of yeah. your wishes come true. So. They don't go into the room, and they don't. They don't do it. Like the, the whole movie's built up two hours, four six movie, twenty, you know, over two and a half hour movie. They don't do it. Um, and I think that's interesting too, because it's like, but yeah, at the same time, it doesn't matter. Because they all, after this journey, all of them come home and they're all changed. Like, all of them have changed. Like, the, 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 the uh, stalker is more, even more, like, gun-ho about the, the zone. Like, you know, like, he is more, even more passionate about it and frustrated these two men. He's frustrated that people don't believe in something. Yeah, he's, that, 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 that's, like, so, in, and there's that great line when it's, it's, it's Catholic guilt, man. Because she says, you know, he's, like, like, you know, they don't, he's like, how could they, she's like, don't be angry with them, you can pity them. You can pity them, but you can't be angry with them. Yeah. When they, when they say they don't believe, they, 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 they don't, you know, yeah. put their faith into it. And, you know, I, all, and, you know, and, and I think the writer is like, look, I like what I have now. Like, I respect what I, I used to hate myself, but this is, this is, I don't want to know what my heart's real desire is. Like, that yeah. scares me. Um, and, you know, professor is like, well, Learns like well, I was gonna go there and destroy it, but now I have to be there to. Now I just have to. It, it's what gives him something, so I can't take it away. And I like everyone's changed. Um, I think that's, and even the stalker just took it as like this is gonna be a normal job. Yeah. And then and then he ends up crying. Crying and going through this whole existential crisis. It's uh, it's really interesting. I also just wanted to before we go to the ending, I want to talk about the filmmaking too. Like, I think this is probably my favorite directed of three. I love the um. The color changes in this one. I love the sepia. Tone. It has the best color change I've seen since Wizard of Oz. I think. Maybe. Well, that's. I was literally about to say that. I was about to say that's totally Oz, right? That's totally Dorothy going into Oz. Yeah. Like that. That them going to the zone is totally Dorothy going to Oz because you have Dorothy. You know, opens the door from Kansas to after the twister, and the door opens, and it's this you know beautiful Technicolor world, and it's kind of what happens with Stalker because you have these. This I love I love the sepia tone I love it. it looks like a silent film the framing too it looks like a silent film it's beautiful um, this dreary kind of you know near Chernobyl where they filmed it and then they they're on the train they're waiting and it's just close up to their faces for like five minutes straight and then they get to the zone and it immediately just cuts like that to color after what thirty minutes thirty five minutes of of sepia tone I will yeah, yeah. and it, it like forty minutes I think of just pure sepia tone and. It's amazing, and they get there, and it's this, you know, I just love the, the, the use of color so much, and I love the um, the slow pace of this really works so well. Like, I love the illustration of the people who've been in the zone before just by the camera panning over water with all, the, like, the weapons and the clothes and pieces of machines that have been there in the past, and... I like how he pushes the gun in the water. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. He pushes the gun yeah, underneath yeah, the water yeah. to be like, less and less of an attachment to And I think the scene that made me really love the filmmaking was the, the tension of the, the scene when they're going down the tunnel. And it's like, just 
nothing has happened so far in the movie in terms of like a big thing like but you're still like you never know like you just still are like it's it's the same it's the same it's the same thing it's the fear of is there something that isn't there because you're like just when they're walking down the tunnel it's like what's gonna happen what's gonna you know so it's it's and and the funny thing it, nothing happens right the movie but that's not the point it's just this constant fear of the unknown I love how um, the 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 thing the zone which is caused by an extraterrestrial life which is a hundred percent against religion they they find a way to make faith out of it oh I know I find that to be so interesting and also I love how the stories about porcupine and everything they're like where did you even hear any of these from were there were these people that you were with and he's like I just heard stories from other people yeah that's all it is it's just hearing stories sure, from sure, sure, sure. yeah it's it's just, that's just how religion passed yeah, that's how yeah, it's just the, yeah, it's just stories being told to different people. Um, can we get to the ending? Is that okay? No, Um, I love the ending. I thought the ending was. How do you interpret the ending? So I inter- initially, honestly, like this is my pure thought process was, oh my god. Do you know the different interpretations of the ending? Well, now I can, and and the more I think about it, I can, and I'm going to tell you what my I think the other okay. interpretations are, and you can tell me what they yeah, might yeah, actually yeah, okay. My My thought watching for the first time was, she's affected by the zone. She's a mutant. Like, literally, she's a mutant. And she has the power to push this thing off the side, right? Okay. Push it. Um, I know there's some people say, like, oh, the train's moving it, but, like, that doesn't make sense. She literally uses... Like, she pushes the glasses off. Um, and my interpretation was that that's, that's the product of... Because she even says, you know, day, you know, being with a stalker, it's hard. There's good days and there's bad, but you take the happiness. And you look. And I thought one of the things she was saying was one of the things that we had to live with was this idea of having a baby, a child that can do this, that can, you know, that has powers like this. But I could also see it being that... that the zone gave them this baby this child and it is sort of his look at it is like it's like uh, she is like a second coming almost she is like you know this newborn like this that he has to protect mm-hmm. um this idea that there's more faith the faith the based ideas to her but that's that the way i looked at it was just that she's a, a mutant from the zone well there are there i mean there's plenty of different interpretations but the there's four main ones and there's one where she developed that telekinesis mutation from him constantly visiting the zone and coming back, and that that's is, what I mean. That yeah. is a there's two realist perspectives of what is happening. Mm-hmm. That is one of them. The other one is the train is moving the cups. That is actually a main one, believe it or not. No matter how. No, I read I read that today, and I was like, one. I was like, I don't not with I mean the the, the, at the, the end, idea, but not when it's it is the most. I don't want to say pessimist, but is the most like anti-faith based. Like I mean, that even as someone who isn't the most faithful person in the world, that is like such a leap to me to say that that's that's it's supposed to be her board just laying there and just watching these cups. Fall. Which I get. There, there is, and there is a setup to this because in the beginning of the film, you see a cup shaking off a table. Right, but there's the no train. train. I mean, there's no train yet. It's not until when she falls off and you hear the, you know. Oh well, there's still a train. You hear it in the background, but then you hear it get really loud. Okay, well, yeah, that's when it starts. Yeah, but um, because the train is meant to set up that interpretation. But the so those are the two like realist interpretations that like oh he just went to the zone and came back and like maybe he'll see his faith in it or whatever. But like it's really just another mutation that he has given her through mm-hmm. through the zone. And they even mention telekinesis is one of the things, but they're like that's not true. That's not a thing. And when did they say that? 
Uh, it's one line. It's okay. very briefly gone, but it's when they first get into the zone. Okay. They mention they're like they're like oh yeah like these other mutations like telking I don't know if those are things or not or something like that. Okay. They, they mention how those those are stuff that's like like almost a bunch of like myths like they're like yeah that's okay. whatever. But um, there is the um one where the 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 zone from how much respect and faith that he has put into it the zone has gifted him by healing his child in whatever way. It saw as a means of healing her, mm. and so that was one where it was. That's another really main one, where it's that the the room without even having without him even having to enter it has has gifted him with this due to how much he's yeah how much he's put into his it. own yeah it's like it's like his deepest desire is that he wants he wants his he wants his daughter to be okay and it's like they even mentioned at the beginning of the film that she's sick she she can't move like her mm. legs, and it's that. Through giving us ability, it's 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 healing her. It's, it's like heal God her slowly. giving her yeah. blessing. It's like Jesus healing the lepers. I also love this one. This is a great one, and this kind of ties into what you were saying. But it was um, it was that the that the room has gifted him, but his most inner desire was just the confirmation of his faith. And so instead of it wow. healing his kid's legs, it just gives him telepathic powers, just to confirm his own faith. Wow, that's place. that's really good too. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. There's those two, those two I always go with. But yeah, I mean that's I that's other than the mutation thing, that's probably thing I can. Yeah, because the um yeah like the the kid is just sitting at the table and pushing glasses off and stuff like that. You're meant to interpret if it's train moving up. Well, like you said, it's, up, it's yeah, it's it's a very it's not anti faith or pro faith. It's very in between. It, it allows you to enjoy it in both ways you know which i really appreciate yeah. i think that i think andre tarkovsky throughout especially throughout history and all the history that he went through he's had a very hard time either accepting faith or like i, th- I think he's been through a lot of situations where like especially soviet union stuff like that yeah where he's been pushed down so much that all he had was faith mm-hmm. but then he also doesn't know with all this stuff going on like is there even like why would mm-hmm. i bother like why would why would i let like all this stuff happened. Like, why would I believe in anything? Mm-hmm. But then that's all he has. So I think that's also it's like a contradiction in his head. Yeah. So I think that's where he gets a lot of it from. It's also the movie that killed him. So cool. Yeah, Everyone should great. like the movie because it fucking killed a man to get that's it made. Crazy. So sounds great. I can't believe that's I never killed probably that. killed like six people. Let's be that's honest. Because a bunch of them got lung cancer. So that's insane. So they all got lung cancer for this fucking movie and died. It's very good. Very, very good. I'm going to delete all my notes. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I loved Stalker. I really just thought it was amazing. Um, it's a, it's a perfect film. It really, it's, it's, it's great. It's, it's really, it's definitely going to stick with me. Um, I have, no, I have literally no complaints about it. It's a, I love all the conversations between the professor and the writer. Yeah. I love pretty much everything about it. Great movie. But what are we doing next week, Tyler? We are watching drum roll after Andre Tarkovsky. Disney original movies. We're going full 180. Disney Channel original movies. Disney Channel original movies. Yeah. So we have three lined up. Um, you have to choose the two other ones. We have found. We wouldn't even know oh, one. I have to choose them. We well because she, she we are going to choose one. We already did it was one. Descendants two. We're having a guest on by the way. Yes, my girlfriend Julia is going to be here because she's a huge uh, decom fan. So we're doing Descendants 2. I love how you call them DCOMs. That's like a, a legit That's thing. That's a real thing. A, yeah, it's like MCU. MCU. Like if like my, girl, like my girlfriend, when she talks to her friends, she's like, oh, what guys want a DCOM tonight? Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's so great. I know. Um, I that. That's so funny. good. We're going to be like DCOM stands. Um, so I was thinking we could do like one from each era. So Descendants 2 is more recent. And then you could find maybe one from the 90s and one from the like 2000s. Okay. Um, 
I've seen a couple of them. Julia maybe watched. Please don't make me choose the ones Julia maybe watched already. I don't want to rewatch those. Oh, you sent me those. Yeah, I yeah. see a few of those I've already. Um, you can watch like Halloween Town, which I've seen, but I feel like you've seen that one too, right? I don't remember any of these. Okay. I don't. I literally. I the the one I've seen the most recent is probably Halloween Town. And I don't remember it. Okay. About cool. It. All I remember is there's a skeleton taxi driver or something. Yeah, the eyes are all fucking up. Yeah. 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 Um. Cool. So we're gonna do that, and then I I will choose the next one because you chose this. Yeah. And I have an idea of what it is, but I'll announce it on the air for... Decom on the weekend. It's actually going to be a quick podcast, not in a week. It's going to take, like, four days yeah. or something. Okay. Cool. Well, cool. two days probably after this one comes out, but whatever. Yay. <laughs> who cares? Watch Tar... I know nobody who listened to this watches any Tarkovsky movies, so yay. <laughs> you all watch Robocop. Watch them, though. Even though we spoiled the whole, all the movies, you still watch them. Probably, dude, honestly, if nobody watches these movies, they don't understand what the fuck we're talking about, because these movies are so fucking... Yeah. convoluted yeah. at times. And weird, yeah. It's like, what? I'm pretty sure Stalker's the one that makes the most, like, like simplest and right. straightforward. Yeah. So. Alright. Well, thanks, guys. Um, this channel is the movies. Alright. Thank God, winning. I can... Whatever. Bye. <laughs>